previously on Elite Week. I'm not going to lie to you. Either way that this plays out, you're dead. And I'm the one that's going to bring you the good news. You're a loose end. It's nothing personal. Just like that, huh? Like water's wet, the sky is up. Must be nice. Have life all figured out like that? Has nothing to do with me. We're just caught up in the churn is all. I have no idea what you just said. This boss, I used to work for in Baltimore, he used to call it the churn. When the rules of the game change. What game? The only game. Survival. When the jungle tears itself down and builds itself into something new, guys like you and me, well, we end up dead. Doesn't really mean anything. Or if we happen to live, well, that doesn't really mean anything either. Lilo Dallas Multipass. Yeah. Multipass. Yeah, multipass. She knows it's a multipass. Lilo Dallas, she's my wife. We're newlyweds. Just met. Multipass. You know how it is. Bump into each other, sparks happen. Yeah, she knows it's a multipass. Yeah, anyway, we're in love. Something wrong.
Hello, hello, and welcome to Elite Week. I hope you guys are all feeling good tonight. It is Friday night, and uh, yeah, Friday night's all right. Uh, I am Kai Zen, your host on this drunken little trip through the galaxy, and uh, it's one of those days. Woo! Arson, say hello to the beautiful people. We got Arson on tech. Hello, beautiful people. Awesome. That was short and sweet and to the point. It didn't creep anybody out, which actually, this is Halloween. This is the time when you should creep people out. All right. Yes, Boss Lady B, crack it open a beer, you sexy beast, you. Roy, say hello to the beautiful people. Good evening slash morning to everyone. Really yes, looking yeah. forward to this show. Glad you're here. Yes, yes. Happy time zone to you all. And we've got the man, the legend, the king of guides. <laughs> Down to Earth Astronomy is here to say hello to you. Good evening, everybody. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. So let's get right to this. We've got a lot to do tonight. Um, let's start off with the intro. So we've got, let's see here. Oh, well, first I want to call out the cover art just because I really appreciate that. Um, for the cover art, we've got uh high octane mamba by commander fostite and we have the intro song was a cover of uh eleanor rigby by commander toko so and his daughter that that was a little girl that's like a i don't know 13 12 year old whatever that's a kid with the voice of an angel that kid should definitely get a college scholarship uh and our closing song is going to be a nod to our guest tonight so i'll let you See if you can guess what it's going to be. All right. So getting on with the intro, we have number one. I, a lot of things have been happening this week and a lot of more things are going to be happening in the next couple of weeks. So I cannot strongly enough urge you get on the Elite Week Discord. There are so many things that are going on and that we're linking to and all through the week that you need to make sure that you get it. It's just tinyurl.com forward slash Elite Week Discord. Join in the conversations. Make sure you get the news. Don't wait for it. All right. So first off, we've got a spooky full moon. So this is a full moon on Halloween. This is super, super rare. The last time it happened was back in 1944. The next time it's going to happen is in 2039, if we're still here for it. And even rarer, it's a blue moon. Now, what a blue moon means is that it's the second full moon of the month. You only get a second full moon on average every 2.5 years. And contrary to popular belief, it has nothing to do with blue, has nothing to do with blue as in the color blue. Blue means that it is belu, belu means traitor in Russian. And it's the traitorous moon because a full moon is only supposed to happen once a month. But with a Bellu moon, which we've contracted to Blue Moon, it happens twice in that month, every couple of years. So drop hmm. the knowledge on you. And also, what are you doing here? Mandalorian Season 2 just dropped today. Get on that. Or maybe just have a beer with us. And after we're done, <laughs> then get on that. <laughs> and lastly, and this is going to seem a little cryptic till later, the Benedettisance has begun. That's right. I'm declaring my love for a certain Stephen right now. All right. <laughs> On October 31st, 
This is this is coming up tomorrow, okay? On October 31st, and I warned you last week, so don't don't you laugh. On October 31st, Uranus is in opposition. This is the best time of year to view the planet. I'm saying the planet as it is the at its biggest and brightest of the whole year. If the sky is dark enough, you may be able to even spot it with the bare eye. That's cool. Uh, on November 3rd, a United uh, Launch Alliance Atlas V rocket will launch a classified spacecraft payload for the U.S. NRO, uh, Mission NROL-101. It will lift off from Cape Canaveral Air Force Station at uh, in Florida at 5.58 p.m., which is 22.58 GMT. Um, you can watch it live if you go through the link. On November 5th, SpaceX is going to launch the Falcon 9 Heavy, or no, just Falcon 9, sorry, rocket with launch uh, the U.S. Air Force fourth, uh, what, third generation navigational satellite designated GPS-3 SV-04 for the global positioning system. It will lift off from Cape Canaveral Air Force Station. Uh, there's a 15-minute launch window. That happens at 6.24 p.m. Eastern Time, which is 23.24 GMT. Again, you can watch it live. On November 2nd, that will mark 20 years of continuously manned ISS. Uh, what I'm saying is, from November 2nd of the year 2000, there has always been a man or woman, multiple in fact, up in space in the space station. 200... Go ahead. Yeah, so said there's been some close calls where they yeah. asked, well, it was a couple of years back, but they were pretty close to completely evacuating the whole space station. Oh, yeah, with that leak? Yeah. So 200, mm -hmm. 241 people from 19 countries have been aboard the space station during that time. All right, Arson, hit the thing. <clears throat> Arson had to take care of something. All right. Roy, do the thing. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> do no worries. If we'll, you're, do it live. we'll do it live. Um, if you're listening to us on uh, the podcast, you might want to check out our YouTube, which airs at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern and 8 p.m. Eastern. 8 p.m. Eastern, and uh, uh, let's see. Now with the t the daylight savings time, it's going to change. Midnight UTC for this week. 1 a.m. UTC starting next week. We are a yes. final machine, people. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube and would like to know how to catch our podcast, you can check us out at anchor.fm forward slash Elite Week. And for sending us your thoughts by email, you can reach us at eliteweek3306 at gmail.com. Uh, our very active and growing Elite Week Discord can be found at tinyurl.com forward slash Elite Week Discord, where you can check out community feedback, resources on turning the wheel, and real-time updates about Elite from a variety of content creators. In addition to the Discord community feedback channel, feel free to write in our YouTube comments anything about the topic of the week, as well as anything else you'd like to share. We'd love to hear from you. Also on YouTube, please make sure to like and subscribe and click on the bell. It really helps us out. Um, if you're, let's see, if you're listening to us on the podcast, please make sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you use, and let us know if there's a format you want us to look into. Uh, we don't do Patreon, so save your money and just tell your friends about the show. Absolutely. We are seamless here. Fine oiled machine. Also, just as a heads up, again, this is our first night on uh, Twitch. So I hope you enjoy us on Twitch or YouTube or wherever you want to. So let's get started with the show.
Right off the bat, let's start with our guest interview. Our guest tonight is Down to Earth Astronomy. The man, the legend. Some people know him as Down to Earth Astronomy. Some people know him as D2EA. Some people know him as Hello Dave. Some people know him as Astro. I know him as the best guide maker bar none in the game Elite <laughs> Dangerous. Thank uh, you. I want to make sure that everybody knows his Twitch, YouTube, Discord, and Twitter are all in the show notes. His Twitter is at D2EA Astronomy. It's just, you know, D2EASTRONOMY, no spaces. His Discord is discord.d2ea.com. His YouTube is youtube.com forward slash down to earth astronomy. And his Twitch is twitch.tv forward slash down to earth astronomy. No spaces or anything on any of those. It's just straight and to the point. So, right off the bat, Astro, <clears throat> yeah. I want to explain something. I'm gonna. I'm. You, you need to sit back for a second because this would be this would be really gauche for you to 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 jump in on this because I'm I'm gonna just gush. You mm -hmm. are there. There are like three content creators that I consider just me personally to be the best in the game, and you are one of them. And here's <laughs> why. You. Here's here's why. And I'm going to back that statement up right now. Let's just randomly look at this week what you have done this week in Elite Dangerous, and this is why you need to go right now. Pause it. Pause the podcast. Go and subscribe to all of his shit. First video, the best fighter in Elite Dangerous. Now, this is in your guide series. It's an 18-minute video. One of the things yeah. I love about this video is you don't fall for the obvious trap of going, okay, the best one is the Taipan. Get the Taipan. All right. Done. There are some people that make guides that are like, okay, I'm going to tell you what you need to know in four seconds or less. And, you know, okay, that's cool. But... If you do that, you skip over a lot of the subtle points and the fact that not every two commanders are the same. What I yeah, like exactly. might not be what you like. In that's this, that's also why the, the, the way I structured the video is also the first part of it is the very factual where I just go over the hard stats of the fighters that cannot be discussed. I mean, mm -hmm. nobody can discuss whether like this faster can this fighter can go this fast. This is a hard fact. And then toward the end of the video, I go over like my personal preferences because that's where i change and the whole the whole mentality i've tried to work with the with when i do guides is rather than like give the man a fish is like teach him to fish instead so, so yes. tell him why i've come to the conclusion i have so that if they don't agree they can draw their own conclusions and that is key because not only did you say okay here are my preferences but you said if you like this style, you might prefer that. But if you do this, you might prefer that. And you give people the options to evaluate, as you said, the data and make the choice that fits best for them. There's not mm. a one-size-fits-all answer to this stuff. No. So that's from your guide series. After that, the next two videos that we're going to discuss are involving the Halloween event puzzle. And first, there was a video solving frontiers cryptic messages live stream that was a full live stream in which you're reviewing the different pieces the different sort of there were nine squares nine 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 sort of sections of the completed picture of binary code and you go through the process and you actually show people all right it's not just you look at it and go okay the answer is the stones he keeps watching the stones i don't know why he doesn't like the beetles 
you know, like, no, you, you literally say like, okay, look here, we're taking this. I'm typing in zero one one zero zero one zero one one zero, whatever. And then like, I go to this website where it has an ASCII converter and then, okay. So since, you know, here we can see that this is a capital letter, you know, we presume that the letter before it is, you know, going to be a, a space, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Arson, you had to go with that picture of Zermina Turbal. <laughs> All right. So uh, that was very, very cool. And that was like a live event. And it was a sort of a picture, a, a sort of an example of not your typical stream in, in the sense that you don't normally decrypt binary images in your live streams no but if it puts that in front of you how can you not (laughs) absolutely absolutely and then your second stream uh uh within the seven day period is let's solve this together stream and this was the day of the uh halloween event going live so now you had the fully completed nine images binary puzzle and you Mm -hmm. had the audio uh file that came from frontier and i want to be careful on this part we're going to do a spoiler section later but on this part let's be careful on the spoilers you have a whole process where you decrypt sort of all of the clues to date that were received uh on the day of the halloween event going live and you have a beautiful stream of a couple hours of like let's do this oh we go here oh this needs a thing Oh, this, oh, I got to get this thing and then I got to do this and then I got to do that. And you sort of walk people through an intelligent sort of not just, okay, here's the answer, whatever. And you warn people throughout the stream, like, hey, this is spoiler filled. So watch the stream after you do it, if that's what you care. Or if you're like, hey, man, I don't really want to whatever. I just want to go and hear the logs. Well, then play along. Like it, you, you give people the opportunity to, to engage at the level that they're comfortable with and yeah yeah you know so so that was beautiful uh the third i hope i hope hope it was pretty obvious when you when you put let's solve this in the title (laughs) that that yes there will like we're gonna solve it during the live stream there will be spoilers Um, sure but i mean (laughs) you also gave like a half dozen warnings in case people were that dumb so like everybody nobody anybody who got spoiled by your stream has no excuse because you told them that was gonna happen yeah all right uh the the fourth video that you put out uh was the hello day video and mm-hmm. i've said from the very beginning and i'm not going to say who the third one is because i don't want to make people feel bad if i just say two of my favorite three content creators and then leave the third lane blank then nobody can really get upset at me because they could you could be you uh, my two favorite content creators two of my three favorite content creators in elite right now are you and Burr, the Burr mm. pit, Burr and Rini together. Yeah, the Burrs. Yeah, Burrs <laughs> are collective. You have to, you can't get one without the other. No, it's um, a package deal. <laughs> and, and and honestly, my every week, my week starts with Hello Dave on Mondays, and my week sort of ends, and my weekend starts with Witch Space News on Friday. So the so we've got you did a, a beautiful guide on on the fighters. You did two cool live streams on whatever the hell is going on in elite that week in this case it was solving the puzzle and then solving the puzzle but like part Part two (laughs) and then hello dave what you know was was uh, a video that you you know started the week off with 
okay, here's what's going on. Here's the news you need to know about Emily. Then you put out your miscellaneous stuff and your miscellaneous stuff is it's not a guide. It's not a stream. It's sort of just, this is miscellaneous. And you put out two awesome videos. The first was best system ever in which you, uh, and it will be in the show notes. You, um, go to two different systems. Actually, there was a bonus system. You started off with Scouty S K A U D E space. A A TAC A space H two nine four, which where you visited some P type anomalies. And those are very, very cool. If players have not seen them for themselves, if you're going out into the black, Google, look it up, look in the codex, whatever, however you choose to do it, check EDSM, whatever you're comfortable with, but go look up P type anomalies and go check them out. And when you do, be careful. Uh, <laughs> they bite. Uh, you need to know that. Um, but then th- that was just a little pit stop. That was just a little like a little amuse bouche. And yeah, then uh, that was followed uh, by the best uh, system ever. Go ahead. Yes. Now, just like the, the P type anomalies, the reason why I didn't dive into too much was because I already covered it on one of my live streams when yep. I did an exploration live stream. So just, just because I thought they were cool and it was there. So I figured let's shoot a quick video on it and, and just put that in as a bonus at the start. Absolutely. And then you got to the best system ever, which uh, I think that's an awesome system. I- I'm still going to say for me, my personal preference, the dry out awesomes is the best. I know some people like the collection of wonders, but guess what, people? There is a third name to throw into the hat and uh, system E-L-L-A-I-S-M-S space Q-X-TAC-U space E-2-TAC-4-3 is an awesome system that should definitely be in contention it should be in the conversation this system has two black holes an m-class ringed star a ringed white dwarf a ringed neutron star and also as a bonus uh body ab4 alpha bravo 4 is a captured object it is a it, it is a roving planet that was gripped and pulled in there and the uh the uh m class is like crazy old it's the same it's like it's so old it's as like as old as like the universe it was it, it, it was brought around around the same time the universe started yeah, and, which like is why it's 12, so 12 billion if i recall correctly um yeah. the universe is approximately 11 like 13.8 or something i think yeah so which is it, like that was like the the whole deal with that Methus- Methuselah star where they were like wait a second at first they were because the first estimates they were like wait a second this makes no sense this star is older than the universe and then they adjusted and it's like okay now it's theoretically possible that that's within the window but like uh crazy crazy awesome system with lots of neat stuff to see and Never. then there was a question on uh, on Twitch and would ask if there's ever been a a ringed black hole I've never heard of a ringed black hole in Elite. I never seen one, but if somebody knows of one, I get in touch with me because I want to go there. I don't care where it is, but I'm going to get my ass over there. I don't think that a ring black hole is possible. I think the gravitational effect is such that it would, there's no way that it would stop, like, you know, at a Mm. ring. I think, I don't think maybe. Black holes have accretion disks, accretion disks. So, yes, technically it should be possible. Um, But. if you find one, message me, and I, I promise I'll let 
I, I, uh, down to earth. No, just as soon as I put out content on it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, 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 it is definitely super, super interesting. But so then you put out another piece of miscellaneous, which was uh, just a little two, three minute, whatever. It's a nothing video. Hilarious. It is. Uh, I, it made me laugh very, very hard. It was one of two things that really made me laugh very, very hard today. It was you and it was the uh, community uh, management team the other day. You went in an SRV and you attempted to be alien abducted by a Thargoid <laughs> barnacle. Yes. That was a stream uh, highlight. Yeah. It was hilarious shit. So, but okay. So, you know, whatever. So here's what we've got. In one week of content, you put out an amazing guide on one of the main, uh, on a very important aspect of the game, the SLFs. Mm -hmm. You put out two streams where you're figuring out puzzles, which are the hottest, you know, which were the sort of hottest thing this week, the big, the big Halloween event. You put out a news program, which was one of the two best news programs, uh, you know, in the, in the game for the week. And you put out, an, uh, one of the most awesome visit uh, systems to visit and a just a funny little silly hey this is cool look watch me get abducted by an alien that i i challenge anybody in any of the streams tell me now who who put out better content that that this week oh uh, and the week is not over there's a video tomorrow as well beautiful beautiful so that is my argument why uh down to earth uh astro dave whatever you call him his his face is needs to be one of his face clear sorry singular needs to be one <laughs> of the faces on the mount rushmore of elite dangerous uh right up there with uh with you know with burr uh and a couple other uh, uh including including of course obsidian ant including plater including some of the other giants of the of the game all right Astro, what did I leave out? What did I miss? I think content-wise, it's pretty much... Uh, yeah, that is all. It's been a busy week. Um, and again, some of the videos have been like small bonus things, like the stream highlights. Um, something I do if, if something extraordinary happened during a live stream, um, like that. It was not a planned thing, but mm. like a Thargoid shows up and begins to to, to suck up for the, uh, the meta-alloys. And like, how can you not fly yourself in... In harm's way, <laughs> and see what happens. Absolutely. So that that is great stuff. So we're going to jump right ahead, and I'm going to use this opportunity because I want to get you in on a lot of the tinfoil hatting to come. Mm -hmm. Let's move right along to the Dark Wheel update. What's going on with the Dark Wheel? Well, things are good for the Dark Wheel. Number one, we are in all the systems we were in. Everything's good. We've made nicey-nice with the ARCC. They're good neighbors. We're good neighbors. Everybody's happy. We are pending expansion from, uh, I think it's 5455. I'm I just at the moment, my brain is mush, uh, and I'm drinking vodka, so whatever. Bear with me. But uh, we should land on November 2nd. So on November 2nd, we plan to... Uh, you know, land somewhere. Uh, I'm not going to say where just yet, but if you've been paying attention, I think you know. Uh, in the meantime, we already have the next two expansions lined up and prepped. So we've taken this opportunity to start Operation Shinny. Operation Shinny is we're going to go back and we're going to revisit 
what we did in the past, uh, what we we did a little test of, seeing if we could move uh, the needle in Shinrata Desra. And moving the needle in Shinrata Desra is a very hard thing to do because of the massive, massive amount. I, I would think the most massive amount of traffic in the game, bar none. And um, we've started the process. We I put out a plea to the to the masses, both in the uh, standing orders channel uh, and also in the uh, forum post where we're uh, running the project out of. And I have also designated the Black Sky Legion to do Black Ops in uh, that uh, system to promote that goal. And we have gone from three days ago, we were number two in the system, and we were at like 30, I don't know, 30%, maybe 30%. We are now at, where are we at? We're at like 40% in system, and we are number one. Uh, we are also going to now, see the, the process of doing this, you have to go through uh, and try to pull all the levers because Shinrata Desra is not your average backwater Timbuktu system where you can just roll in and, and kind of, you know, collect it easy. You got to work for this. You got to climb this hill and it's a rough hill to climb. It's so rough that in fact, we've been told it's impossible. Well, guess what? We're about to show you that you don't say that word in front of us because that word do not think it means what you think it means. Impossible just means that it's too hard for you. Not too hard for us. We're going to do it. So what I need now, and please contact me in the Elite Week Discord if you're ready to do this. Arson, I'm going to uh, drop a bomb on him that I'm going to have him coordinating uh, uh, carrier ops or fleet ops, uh, basically the trading. But since it's out of Shinrata, we can't actually use carrier, but he's going to uh, hopefully agree to uh, coordinate uh, where we're going to give you a very specific go here and buy this and go there and sell it. And we're going to be selling to the ground stations to help boost the influence of the Dark Wheel in Shinrata as well. We are going to... Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about asking uh, DH397 if he will be my uh, commander of the bounties because I know he loves doing that. And coordinate with a bunch of people, and we will give you... Do not do bounties in Shinrata Desra. That hurts us. But do bounties right next door at 3, uh, 397, LHS 397, or uh, 499... Uh, wait, 4979. Do bounties in one of the systems we own, and then run over and sell them at one of the assets we own, the ground stations in Shinrata. That will help to boost us even more. And then lastly, uh, cartographics data. I need somebody that wants to go do exploring and wants to coordinate with other explorers. And we'll say, get a bunch of cartographics data and sell it at this specific system. Again, so do not turn in bounties in Jameson's. That hurts us. Turn it in at our ground station that we own. But do not be funny, because I'm thinking that the Pirates Federation, the local branch there, is not listed as an actual faction in system. 
but, they, but you, it still counts toward BGS. It does. It does. We tested this already. Even oh, that though sucks. The pilot, <laughs> even though the Pilots Federation is locked at zero percent BGS, if you do anything in Jameson's, it goes as negative to everyone that's not the Pilots mm. Federation. It's so weird. It's it's the only system. It's broken. It's weird. It's it's what it is. But yeah. if I can get okay. DH three nine seven to coordinate a bunch of people and farm bounties out of system and bring them and sell them to our ground station. If I can get somebody to coordinate doing universal cartographics out, you know, in the world and then bring them and sell them to the ground station. If I can get, uh, 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 arson to coordinate people to buy stuff and sell it to our ground station. And I've got the black sky legion. I'm coordinating that for them to do black ops, against the other groups and if we can get um the masses to just run influence missions inf plus for the dark wheel only i'm telling you right now we went up like four percent yesterday we can do it we can continue to get this going and while we already have the other two expansions lined up after the expansion that we're in we can keep this rolling and we can prove to everyone that you can expand out of Jameson's. It's just the thing that nobody's done in forever. The last time, the only time that it was done was like three years ago when there was a weird bug or a weird whatever when they implemented some BGS change and everyone was hyper expanding out of everywhere. So people have said, oh, you can't do it out of Jameson's. The only reason why it happened out of Jameson's that once was a bug. Well, you know what? We're going to prove you wrong. We're going to do it. So I hope that everybody wants to hop on board and get going with this. What should, what should, how much BGS do people like outside the people that are, of course, working directly for turning the turning the wheel project? But I mean, I've been in Shinrata, I think, three or four times today. But I've been, I've gone there, I bought a modules, I sold some stuff, uh, mm -hmm. like modules, and I left again. I didn't interact with the market, interact, but people dumping stuff you were a more advanced player you have to keep in mind there's a ton a metric ton of players who play the game oh i play for you know two hours every week and they make their home jameson's because it's got yeah, it's convenient on sales yeah. or whatever and they're like oh I'll run a mission for these guys and they randomly it's just throw a dart at the wall and see where it sticks and that's who you're doing missions for as a result there's so much traffic that everyone it, it's basically it, it doesn't it's not for anyone it's not against anyone it's rigged to maintain the status quo so mm. we have to do a massive amount of fighting to just go against that to break the status quo yeah but we can do it we've demonstrated this week that we can do it we've gone up by 10 in three days we can do it we can we you know we can keep doing it So we're going to do it and we're going to just show everybody. Guess what? We're going down in the history books as the people that did what you said can't be done. So that's that. Get in touch with me. Uh, if you're DH397 slash somebody who really wants to do bounties and I'll put you in touch with, I hope I'm just randomly saying this like a dick. I hope he's like, yeah, man, I'm down for that. That's, that's my cause. Uh, I really, really hope so. Uh, and somebody for, for the, uh, for the universal cartographic side. And then I'm just going to just assume arson. If, uh, if for any reason you don't want to coordinate doing the trade missions, uh, say I am unable to do that, but say it in Persian, 
uh, you've got three seconds. Just been volunteering. Super racist. We're gonna just assume that you didn't say that. Um, all right. I, I didn't say up. anything in Persian, so fair, fair, true. Next up, we've got operate or uh, sorry, we've got Frontier News. So let's go through the week of Frontier News, and there's a lot. <clears throat> yes, absolutely, DH three nine seven. I do. Thank you, sir. All right. Frontier news. Patches. Changes. Maintenance. So, first off, on October 27th, Horizons were added to the base game. Now, non-Horizon owners just got access to SRVs, engineers, and the following ships for free. Harson, throw up that list. I'm talking about the Beluga Liner, the Dolphin, the Type 10 Defender, the Alliance Chieftain, Challenger, and Crusader, the Crate Mark II, the Crate Phantom, and the Mamba. We all take this for granted because we've all owned Horizons for forever, but see that list on the screen? Millions of people just got those sh- access to those ships. Imagine your awesome life list. if you didn't have access to those ships. Like, holy crap. That's huge, right? Mm. So, yeah. All right. In addition to that... Uh, we also have all Horizon owners got the Azure paint jobs for all ships. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This paint job looks like absolute garbage in the promo pic. It looks like what? It's the, the people have been calling it memeing on it. But it's the toothpaste picture. Guess what? It actually looks good in game. Like if you act, it, there's some pictures, there's some some paint jobs that they just look meh on the picture, but when you see it in 3D, it's got a very cool gleam to it. It looks very, very classy. Me personally, uh, you know me, everybody knows, I'm a fan of the Midnight Black, that's my shit. But if you're the Imperial type that likes that kind of classy, plain color, lighter, but with a nice gleam to it, imps are gonna love this Azure paint job. Um, and I, I think it looks cool. I'm going to throw it on some of my Imperial ships just cause. So yeah. Now one note it is, or at least it was as of this morning broken on the PS4, but Frontier is aware of this and they are working on it. Your PS4 players, you know, wait a day or two, whatever, you'll get it. It'll be all good. Um, there is an, ex- there was an extended downtime on Thursday for unspecified reasons. Some would now. Some people would say like, "Oh, it was because they were doing uh, what do you call it? They were doing the 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 rolling in Horizons." No, Horizons was already rolled in. First off, they added that to the code over a week ago when they accidentally gave everyone Horizons for free for an hour and a half. But <laughs> in, in in addition to that, there's the fact that it's like, no, this was something else. Now you could say, well, what they were doing at that point was removing the stuff for base game so that it's all rolled in together. But I logged in today and tested it and you still have the option to log into base game and horizons right now. So it wasn't that you could make the argument that it was this stuff with the, um, you know, what do you call it? The, the, the Halloween event, maybe, I don't know. You could make the argument that they were trying to work on stability, server stability issues with all of these crate, uh, orange sidewinders, uh, wav adders, whatever that have been going on. Maybe you could say that they were 
trying to work on that pulse wave analyzer. You know, we've got seven, eight now, like what, seven and a half, eight weeks of, of that being an issue. I, I don't know. They haven't really stated what it was for per se. So we're, we're still waiting to see what I can tell you is that post that extended downtime, which was longer than it even was supposed to be. They had some kind of issues, uh, post that CQC matching was borked. It, it broke CQC matchmaking. So, um, I don't know. Hopefully they've gotten on it by now. I haven't checked today. I was getting the show notes together ready, but, um, if not, hopefully it'll be over the weekend, but we, I think as, as the community sort of look, you can do one of two things. MMOs, when they add new shit, they break stuff. That's the way it, it's just so crazy in, interdependent and complicated. And this game more than any other MMO that I can think of. So you've got two options. If you want everything absolutely stable and never to break, you're not getting any new stuff. Live with it. Or if you're like me and you want new stuff, you just have to be a little patient sometimes where it's like, oh, CQC is borked. Okay, fine. I'll get to it in a couple of days. I'll do other stuff. Oh, pulse wave analyzers are borked. Okay, that one's a little harder to justify. It's been for like seven weeks now, but like they know it. They know about it. They're working on it. But we've seen stuff where this the mining issue is so crazy complicated. I don't know, man. And they, there's a lot of stuff. There's, they're juggling a lot of balls right now. So what I'm saying is if you want new stuff in the game, like I do, try and be a little patient. And there's so many things to do that if your Azure paint job isn't showing up right now because they're on PlayStation 4, pick another paint job and give it a little time and know that they've already publicly stated they know about it, they're working on it, they will get to it. Promise. Um, all right. And let's stop right there and get everybody's opinion on uh, stuff. And I, it's occurring to me now that it, I was remiss. I did not explain to Down to Earth before that what we do is in the Recording Booth challenge channel, we put a dot if you want to make a comment on any of the sections so i'm going to start okay. right off the bat by just uh, offering to down to earth do you have any commentary on the the patches the, the rolling in the downtime the new ships the all of that stuff i'm 99 certain that the downtime we saw on thursday was the introduction of the halloween event i think so too um I hope, that, I hope there might have been there might have been other things um i mean Mm -hmm. if, if, if things are broken here and there, <laughs> if, if things break after a patch, um, it's often an area where you can then begin to look, so what did they change since mm -hmm. something broke there? <laughs> um, but I mean, we know for a fact that, now spoiler warning a little bit, there is a base that is part of the event, um, and that base was not there before the um, before the downtime. After the downtime, that it was there. So something regarding the event has at least been added during that downtime. Absolutely. Uh, Roy, I know you had something you wanted to ask. Well, first I was going to say I was half hypnotized uh, looking at this paint job on Arson's ship. He just put it, took a moment, put it on, on the Python. Python he's flying. It good, looks right? amazing. And it amazing. looks like crap in the picture, but it looks yeah. really good in real life. It's one of those where the it's you know picture doesn't do it justice. Yeah, yeah. And that list of ships was a shock for me. I had no idea those were uh, locked. I mean, I guess it's obvious now, but 
that's like uh, 80% of the ships I've been flying for, you know, eight or nine months. So, uh, wow. So happy for everyone that didn't have that. They're going to have a lot of fun now and, and have access to all kinds of, I mean, theory crafting and coming up with ship designs. And um, I, I'd point them at a lot of uh, uh, Astro's great, great videos on theory, theory crafting different ships. There's there's uh, uh, some, some great ones uh, just from what's on this list here. So, yeah. 100% cannot agree more. All right. So, and, and yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we just take for granted because it's like, oh, well, we've always had it. And it's like, yeah, no, there's a lot of new people that they get it. And there's a lot of us that get it now on an alt where it's like, well, I didn't buy that for the alt. I don't really need for it. Well, you got it now. So get into it right on. And I just think it's, it's interesting that, um, now that we have this of a Halloween event going on, a lot of the stuff is happening planet side. Um, yep. So for all the people who were playing, um, who were playing non Horizons and all of a sudden got Horizons for free, now have the option to go out and they have this. What I think is a pretty awesome event. Um, it kept me in, engaged pretty much all week, uh, and I still have lots and lots of questions that I haven't answered yet. Um, but again, a lot of it is planet side, so it really gives new Horizon players a good chance to go out and uh, and try their brand new SRVs. Awesome. Absolutely. 100%. Also, we had this week under the heading of newsletter slash store update slash sales. First off, Elite is on sale right now for $7.50 American, or if you're living in the Great Britain area, it's uh, five guinea quids. Five of Her Majesty guinea quids. I think that's your that's the money you guys use, right? Yeah. Um, also, we have a store update. Uh, number one, uh, from now until November the second, there is Halloween stuff in the store, and you can see in that picture right there on the screen. They include uh, bat. Go back to the other one. They include the bats. They include the uh, little scarecrow guy. They include the little uh, tombstone with the waving arm. It's the little skull guy there with the little skull and the crossbones there. It also includes the pumpkin lights that are running across there. And not in this picture, but it's there. Um, little skull lights. Uh, little white, bright skull lights. These are only available from the 26th of October to the 2nd of November. So if you want them, get them. Coming on November the 2nd, we're transitioning from white people Halloween to Dio de la Muerte. Oh my God. And Dio de la Muerte <laughs> is, uh, put that picture up now, Arson, is uh, the Day of the Dead in Latin cultures. And the, actually, I'm going to be honest with you. These look way cooler to me. These bobbleheads, these three Dio de la Muerte. Those are sweet. Yeah. Look super, super cool. I'm a huge fan of all of that stuff, uh, and I'm definitely getting those the day those come out. So that'll be from November 2nd to November 9th. So make sure that you grab them when they're available. Now, I want to point out that I've heard from some people like, oh, this ARC stuff, these things are expensive. This bobblehead is expensive. This light is expensive. This thing is expensive. Okay. Look at that. Let's examine that for a second take a quick look at the arc store so you can buy a hundred thousand arcs for 44 or 44.99 british pound sterling 
or $58.03. The today's exchange rate is $1.29 to one British pound sterling. So 44.99 guinea quids or $58.03 for 100,000 arcs. Now, the arcs per British pound sterling is 2,022.72 arcs for one British pound sterling. The arcs per dollar is 1,723.24 arcs per dollar. The bobbleheads and the lights are basically the same price. It's The bobbleheads are 6,450 arcs. The, the lights, the string lights are 6,570 arcs, but it's close enough that I didn't feel like doing the math twice. So if you want to buy a bobblehead or the light, it's two pounds, 90 pence, British pound sterling, or $3.74. The decals are 150 arcs. So it's six pence, British pound sterling, and eight cents US dollars. Eight pennies. Keep in mind, you get 400 arcs a week capped for free for just playing the game. Now, it's entirely up to you. If you're like, meh, I don't like this one. I'm not buying it. Okay. You do you, boo. Knock yourself out. But I want to point out the fact that for me personally, I don't really give a shit about, oh, this, you know, bat, this little arm coming out of a tombstone, this little skull, this little whatever. I look at the entire ARC store, and I'm not telling you you have to look at it this way. This is just how I look at it. I look at the entire ARC store is I'm voting with my dollars. If Frontier is sucking at putting out a good game, I don't care what it is. I'm not buying your stuff, dude. I'm not giving you money. If Frontier is knocking it out of the park, I'm buying everything you're selling. I don't care just because... I'm voting with my dollars. I'm showing you, if you give me A, I will give you B. Frontier, I wrote a whole forum post about like, please bring back stories, Galnet and whatnot, and makes cool stuff. I asked them to do a thing. They did a thing, and then some. I went out this week, and I bought all of those stupid little bobblehead things just because it's like I'm voting with my dollars. You... Do whatever you want. If you don't want them, you don't have to get them. If you do want them, it's like three bucks. Get them. Knock yourself out. It's not expensive. Cheap compared to other games. And you're not paying anything per month. So uh, why don't we start with Down to Earth? I know you had a question about the or a statement about the Horizons thing. No, I just, I don't know if, if, if it's, I don't think it's something that's that much in, but I've seen there are some people um and it might be a. I think it's a very small minority of very low, very vocal people who are mad that <laughs> that Horizon is free, um, because they, okay. So the argument they put forward is they they paid for Horizons and now all of a sudden they're giving this away for free, um, where the obvious counter argument is yes, you paid for Horizon and you have access to Horizons for four years, something like that. Including, I don't, I can't remember how long it's been now, but a lot. <laughs> you have access to a lot of the stuff for a very long time, and now Frontier is just saying this product is now 
getting it's not, not obsolete but it's it's now just getting phased into the new game which is obviously because they need to have people playing on horizon in order to make them being able to even buy into odyssey mm-hmm. so, and this is people that this this is people that were you know that they 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 basically if you amortize how much they paid they were paying like a third of a penny for, per five hours and they're like hey I bought this car five years ago. I'd like to sell it back to you for full value now. Yeah, it, it, I think that exact uh, <laughs> argument was actually used. Like, if you go out, you buy a car, and and then you 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 drive it, you use it for five years, and then like a new model of the car comes out, so they say, oh, the old model of the car is now cheaper. Um, or phone, phone is maybe even a better option. Like, yeah, you you buy the latest whatever phone, and and then like. Two years down the line, new model is out, and you like you wouldn't expect to get the full value back for your own phone. <laughs> you know what <laughs> else you wouldn't expect? You get anything for it. <laughs> you wouldn't expect for the phone company to go, oh, by the way, here's a whole bunch of free paint jobs for like 40 different ships. Here, just here's a little something for you. That's here's a nice. free cover for your old phone for, for yeah. thanking you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think it's a like the paint jobs is a very nice gesture for from Frontier to give something to the people also of course just to encourage people to um um to go out and uh, um and actually but maybe buy horizons if they have it if they wanted those paint jobs mm-hmm. it was i think it was a, a decent deal and the fact that they now put um elite which will then include horizons as both games at a very very uh significant discount um i i mean just means we're getting a lot of new people in who may or may not stick around with the game. I hope they do, because there's a lot of interesting stuff both happening right now and in the very, very near future. 100%. Arsene, why don't you tell me about voting with your dollars? I just wanted to to reinforce the point. Uh, We have one of, if not, in my opinion, the most amazing MMOs uh, available. Uh, Definitely the largest... uh, real game world um and we don't have a subscription fee no so i i just want to hammer that detail home um if you want to see more content vote with your dollar give frontier some money especially if you uh you know bought elite at a sale price things like that Mm -hmm. you know what Vote with your dollars right now. Go out and buy the the sixty dollar, fifty dollar, fifty eight dollar, whatever arc set, and and sit on those hundred thousand arcs because next month in November, Black Friday sale. Oh yeah, lots of stuff on sale, and the only time that you can get Midnight Black. I own it for every ship and the SRV. I own it for everything that you can buy it for, even the Cobra Mark Four which I will never be able to get because I just <laughs> love that page off that much that I wanted to make a crazy statement. So I made it. I voted with my dollars. All right. <laughs> Next up, we've got streams. Now, here's the streams that they did this week. First off, there was no stream on Tuesday. They were doing stuff. They said, hey, we're not doing a stream today. We're dealing with the whole Horizons roll-in thing. You understand? I understand. Whatever. They did two streams, though, this week. The first one was... A hilarious it released thursday early in the morning american time like i think mid-afternoon englandy time ye olde england uh and it was a hilarious funny anchorman skit uh in which 
this was the start of the Benedettisance. Uh, first off, they were back in the studio. The group was in. And, mm. you know, Art had to drive in from home. And Bruce had to drive in from home. And they both live not that far away from it. Uh, Steven, during their whole, you know, the business is locked down, you work from home. He went back to the family place in Scotland. He drove 13 hour plus round trip, six and a half hours plus, you know, plus down. And then he had to go six and a half hour plus back. I assume the next day, I hope he got a place to, to take a, take a nap before he drove back. But he did 13 plus hour round trip so that he could be there for this. Okay. That is not your standard, you know, well, I'm doing the minimal effort. That is hero mode shit. Steven drove the six and a half hour plus down so that they could record their Anchorman skit. And then he knocked it out of the park. Everybody was good, but Steven was the best. He, he was like a crazy, like uh, mentally, whatever weatherman that like, it was just so perfect. And all of them, it was home run for Bruce with his movable mustache home run for art with his whole uh his whole thing about like i don't believe in aliens you silly way just it was so good the link is in the show notes go, if you have not seen it i'm sure you have but if by some miracle you have not seen it go see this this is the funniest cleverest whatever little 6 minute skit that I've that any community management team for any of the games that I've played, whether it's you know WoW or Final Fantasy or Albion or Eve or whatever, this actually Eve did some stuff that rivaled this uh, with you know HTFU and some other stuff that they've done. But this was amazing. Go see it. Then a couple hours later, they put out their their real stream, which was the Super Cruise News Halloween special stream, which was a 40-minute long stream in which they sat around, talked about some of the stuff. Now, this was hours later, and Stephen was there for that as well. He stayed and he ran the tech, even though he wasn't even on screen for that. He ran the tech and had to deal with stuff and got it going. And again, so the stream was great. Everything was fantastic. But I want to, again, highlight the fact that I think Steven gets a lot of shit sometimes because it's like, okay, maybe he doesn't have the most hours on or skill at the mechanics of flying a ship in elite for something. And then he'll go and do a live stream and he's trying to bounce questions and doing stuff and also fly and whatever. And everybody nitpicks at every last little thing, but that guy behind the scenes setting up the streams doing all of the stuff I dealt with him today on, on two issues uh, and, and like communicative and you know, whatever there was even, I'm going to call myself out. There was a thing a month or two ago that happened that was actually my fault, but I didn't know it at the time. And I thought that, you know, sort of uh, he screwed me on something and I was like, dude, and then afterwards, I felt like such a dick because it was like I had egg on my face because it was like, no, it wasn't. It was me. It was my technical incompetence that was the problem. Steven, quietly behind the scenes, is constantly plugging away. He's the guy that sets up the tech for all the different streams. He's the guy that is, you know, setting up the ships that they need and this, that and the other. He is 
Art is the guy, and and Art gets lots of love, and rightfully so. He's amazing because he's the guy that actually comes, uh, you know, he's the guy that comes through with the the big whatever. But Steven is the guy that is quietly setting stuff up in the background, and it's so good. And you know what? We're gonna we're gonna just call an audible here. Arson, play play that video. That's it's too good not to. We're gonna take a six minute watch this thing and laugh. This is the Channel 4 News Team reporting for Super Cruise News. I'm your host, Ron Tomey. And I'm Bruce Fantana. And I'm Block Benedetti. Uh, this way, Block. And I'm this way. On tonight's show, Raxler, is a discovery just around the corner? Onionhead, is it really that bad for you? We interview Ethel Moonshot. She claims to have caught the winking cat. What do you think? We also interviewed Don Antonacci, the supposed mastermind behind the buckyball racing rigging scandal. Now there's a mouthful. And finally, something I personally working on for a long time. Thargoids and Guardians, fact or fiction? The answer may indeed surprise you. Ron, Ron, no, it won't. We, we know they're real. <laughs> Aliens, that's, that's impossible. No, Ron, we've, we've talked about this. We've seen the Guardian sites and Thargoids live. I don't believe you. Ron, they, look, they definitely do. <laughs> we'll have to agree to disagree. But first, before all of that, over to Block and the weather. Thanks, Ron. Uh, so as, as you know, the galaxy is quite a big uh, place. So we, we picked this system. And um, you can see here, it's quite warm because it's the sun. Uh, uh, and the further we move to this direction, there's uh, this rock belt. It's an asteroid belt, Block. That, oh, like a belt that holds up the trousers in space. And, uh, and it's a bit colder. And then as we move further down, it's, it's a bit colder. Uh, and then it gets really cold over this area uh, and even colder here because it's space. Back to you, Ron. Thanks, Block, for the weather report. Insightful as always. Remember, kids, if you're in space, wear a scarf. Now, Bruce. Bruce, have you, have you changed your moustache? I don't want to talk about that, Ron. Oh, okay. Uh, well, we've discussed Raxler before, but Bruce, what if I told you I could tell you exactly what Raxler was, where it was, and how to get there? Ron, I would be astounded. In fact, I've already soiled myself just at the thought of it. I wondered what that aroma was. It's uh, quite pungent. Well, I can tell you this. Raxler is, in fact, in the... Um... Sorry, Ron. Hang on, hang on. This just in. I'm getting a direct message from our sources saying that something big is happening over in the Chuck Chan system. Chuck Chan, you say, Bruce. Chuck Chan. I, I know that name. Uh, I think I studied there. It's it's uh, famous for martial arts and, and doing their own stunts. I'm, I'm fairly certain it's, it's Ron, a very... Ron, no, that's the Jackie Chan system. I'm talking about the Chuck Chan system. Chuck Chan, of course, the, uh, his brother. So I'm hearing... I'm hearing there's an abandoned megaship that's just been discovered by the local system security that's been floating through there for 200 years, Ron. 200 years? That's... That's almost like two centuries. Almost, Ron, almost. So apparently it was on collision course for Chuck Chen 5B. We're going to have people heading over there now. It's been confirmed that the name of the megaship is the Adamaster. 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 I believe, and if my ancient Greek is correct, it means two penguins whistling in the night. 
Almost, Ron, almost. It's the dangers of the sea is the rough translation. Ah, well, tomato, tomato. <laughs> the, the original uh, destination of the megaship is in fact unknown, so we're going to send our crew out there and see what we can find. Um, Do we think this is linked to the strange fan mail I've been receiving? Ron, that's not fan mail. That's a binary code that we received but, over the uh, past I'm, three days. I'm not sure you can say that anymore. <clears throat> Ron, binary is in ones and zeros. Ah, ah, of course. Uh, yes. In well, fact, I thought it was fan mail. I was throwing them in the bin. There was there in, a lot of them. It was like junk. It's like the flyers you get from the post. How they find me, I, I don't know. I keep moving out, so it's nothing to do with the money I owe. The, the binary code that we received, in fact, may be related to this audio bite that we've just received. It's not clear what the source is, but possibly it's all related. Can we roll that clip? This is Dr. Murphy reporting. I'm a geologist, part of Professor Carver's planetary survey team, but I, I, I think, I believe I've just defecated in my pants, and worryingly, I'm not wearing any pants. I, I think we're—it's our duty as as news reporters to investigate this further. So please join us as always, uh, the the Channel Four News Team for Super Cruise News tonight at seven thirty UTC, live on this channel, where we'll find out exactly what's happening at the Adam Master. See you then. You should probably get a cleaner for this. So next up, we have Galnet articles. Starting off, uh, October 26, Congress votes to accept the Marlist immigrants, uh, Marlinist immigrants, over the objections of President Trump, uh, 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 Zach Hudson, who uh, said that uh, he thought some of them were brown and they should go back. And Congress said, no, no, we don't like you anymore, so we're going to take them in. Uh, October 27th, terrorist hit squad targets Hadrian Duval. Interesting stuff. Uh, it's odd that the Marlinists want to get rid of the Duvals that are running the empire in this corrupt fashion. So what they do is they attack a bunch of the people that the emperor's uh, ADL, ALD, Arissa Lavinia Duval does not like and they leave her be. Yeah, seems legit. I'm not at all skeptical hippo eyes on that one. October 29th. Okay, just also for the record, because <clears throat> people said, oh, well, Hadrian lived. The article says he was in guarded whatever and that he was, it was critical and whatever. I wouldn't be so sure. Let's wait and see how that plays out. October 29th. Supplies for the Marlinist refugees successfully delivered. Big salute to everybody. I was out there trying to hype it as much as possible. Uh, I was uh, in the top 10 commanders, according to the, well, no, I was in the top 25%, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but yeah, big salute to everybody that did it. They both got to level three. Good deal. October 30th, this just in, hot off the presses, as of like two hours ago, the Empire and the Federation are starting to clash over the Marlinists. The Empire is saying, you need to give those people back now. We, we suspect that they're bad dudes. And the Federation, uh, Jordan Rochester, the ex-boy uh, toy of uh, one Ashling Duvall, is saying, Yo, bro, come at me. Uh, I might have paraphrased that just a little bit. So we'll see. It, it's looking like things are, are, are heading towards 
a warlike footing between the Empire and the Federation. So, interesting stuff. All right, community goals section. Right off the bat, last week's community goals, let's talk about it. So the goals concluded with success level three for both the hauling and the bounty hunting CGs. Note the payout. There's a discrepancy. Uh, everyone, no matter what level you did that I've talked to, got a notice saying, even if they were in the top 75%, they got a notice saying they were in the top 10 commanders. So everyone got max payout for both if you participated in either. Frontier is aware of this. I've spoken with them today. They're aware of this. They're looking into it. They have no further comment at this time. So just, this is not their statement. This is my statement. It's going to be one of two things. Either A, they're going to be magnanimous and say, hey, everybody gets to keep the extra bank balance error in your favor. Collect $100, get the Pasco, whatever. Yeah. All right. Congrats. Here's some extra cheddar for nothing. Or what, what, what was the reward for, for being in top 10, not top 10 percentage, top 10, 10, 10 million, I think? Yeah, it was, it was, you know, whatever. I mean, it's... Or, so there's option B. Option B is they do what the bank really does when they make a bank balance error, which is find the error, and they'll go back and subtract that money from your account in the next couple of days or whatever. And if that happens, so what? That's a couple million, and it wasn't your money anyways. You weren't planning on having it. It is what it is. No big deal either which way. However they handle it, they'll handle it, and we'll move on with life. The more important thing is that the message, the the, the sort of the story we showed Frontier story-wise that, you know, we care about the Marlins, even when there wasn't awesome missile racks in it for us. People did stuff for it, and that's good. Thing, One thing I never understood about that specific community goal was the faction you had to collect bounties for only mm-hmm. owned that system. They were present under other systems, but they were the only system where there were the controlling factions. And there were only low-intensity conflict zones, and then there were the installations, installations. you could do. Yep. I feel like the attempt was to kind of encourage people to go out and do some of the installations, because I feel like it's an underused part of the game at the moment, mm-hmm. which I can totally understand. One of the problems that that we had on, in, on, on my Discord when we were running it is when you're running around an installation, you're shooting people, it is so easy. If you miss with your long-range beam laser, they have so long range, they will <laughs> hit the station behind them. Um. Um, <laughs> and then you get a bounty. You get a bounty right away. There's no... I mean, a while back, Frontier introduced this. Uh, they, they relaxed the rules for for misfires so that mm-hmm. you didn't get an immediate bounty by hitting a friendly target if, if you had someone else targeted. That rule does not apply for installations. If your long-range beam missed its target <laughs> and hit the station behind it, you're now wounded, and everybody that sold has got to come after you. You, um, know what I, you know what I did? I actually never went to those installations. I signed up for that, and then I just took my time when I was coming back with a cutter load of stuff and I kept getting interdicted by pirates and killing them. And that mm. was put me in a knife safe place where I didn't have to worry about hitting an installation. Yeah. Arson, you had a question on the beams? Uh, not, not a question, but a statement. Yeah. Uh, just uh, if you are concerned about crime and punishment and you're fighting around some kind of asset, 
turreted weapons are immune to crimes from misfires when the weapon hits something that you are not actively targeting. Uh, They are fantastic for fighting around installations. They are also fantastic for fighting around stations. Uh, Just don't fire them inside the station interior. (laughs) You will still die. (laughs) That's all. Uh, it's more of a question. You know, we got to level three on the called the charity drive, um, mm-hmm. and they mentioned that there was enough shipment, uh, enough things shipped for three of the systems. Nothing was said about the others, though, was it? Correct. Nothing was said about the other two statement or other two systems. We'll see how the story plays out as this progresses. This week, we don't have a CG. I think that it's very seriously sort of intended that this week everyone will spend the week doing the halloween event now the halloween event just to be for clarity purpose that doesn't go away that's a permanent thing that's in the game forever to enjoy but this week that's what sort of mm, go ahead yeah yeah it's, yeah yeah okay it is permanent in in a sense that i don't think that ship is necessarily going to be be removed um but i don't know how much spoilers i should i should put in now but there is a there is a piece of information you need to obtain in the starting system that I don't expect will be there permanently. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Right now, we're going to go into the spoiler section. Um, Arson will put up a picture. You pick any picture that you want, Arson, when the uh, when the spoiler section is done. But we're going to avail ourselves of Down to Earth, who did an amazing stream where he looked through the mystery. So why don't we do our fully spoilered section? I'm warning you now, if you don't want to hear this stuff, pause. Don't play this until you're done with the thing. And skip ahead to where you see Arson put up a picture of... Uh, Arson will aim right at the sun. And I'll, 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 put, I'll put this guy back up. This was a little tribute to uh, Asteroids. Yes. Astros when you see, right? hello boys, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> then you can, then you can, whatever. Uh, and in the in the show notes in the disc in the in the podcast version, there will be a thing that will just say like jump ahead to this point. All right, full spoiler zone. Down to earth. Why don't you walk us through the through the whole process of this mystery? Yes. So the whole thing, of course, started earlier this week with some of the binary pictures being uploaded one at a time to uh, Instagram. We got a total of nine pictures of binary code with the there's been a lot of discussion back and forth with the uh, with the different colors or the different uh, light intensity and the different numbers if that had any meaning but i've seen nothing conclusive come out of that but if you decrypt the whole thing uh, all nine frames you get the message uh, saying uh Kolsak nebula the stones he keeps watching the stones and at first the whole stone part I didn't know what that was everybody rushed out to the Kolsak to try and figure out what's going out out there. Now, the Colsec Nebula is a relatively small area. It's not that many systems in that area, so it's relatively easy to um, to explore. Then, uh, yesterday, on Thursday, the actual event happened. We saw that uh, live stream from Frontier that we saw just earlier, the little news anchor skit they did, and we also got a Galnet article saying that a a derelict megaship has been drifting through space for like 200 years and has now arrived into Chuck Chan's system. 
with that article, we also got some information that they tracked the direction that the ship was coming from, and they named, I think, two, two or three systems, I think three systems, that is passed close by. So we could kind of get out a feeling for what direction that ship has been coming from when it was drifting into system. If you went to one of the stations in system, you would also be able to pick up a local news article where there was a local investigator who has been investigating this ship, and he managed to pull some information regarding the flight plan, the original flight plan of the um, of the ship when it originally launched 200 years ago. That news article, I'm not sure, will stay there forever. And that's why I'm saying that there is some really, really important key information in that post that you need in order to get this thing started. And I don't think that's going to be there forever. Um, so that's something people will have to go and look up later if they actually want to stop this event yeah yeah Yeah. i was just gonna say there are several news articles that used to be in place for treasure hunts in the past and they are now Mm -hmm. no longer in the game so that is a completely correct uh establishment but in that local news article what they did state there was they they noticed the ship, like you said, the ship is going to go have fuel for this many light years and it was going through that system and that system. So basically what you do is you then go to the um, the ship itself and you scan the lock from the ship and you get some information about that it jumped to a, that it first stop on the system was a, uh, I think it was a K-class system with 11 bodies. So basically what you do is you go and you say oh we have that system that is this system next system is that distance so we have this many light years of fuel left and we know they're heading towards the um the barnard's loop because that was stated as well so you kind of see what kind of of, of was it m or k class stars i can't remember was in that direction that had 11 bodies and, and lo and behold there's a there's a listening post that was originally broken but is now working and it gives out some gibberish that has not been solved yet, to my knowledge, uh, at least at the time of this recording. Um, and we've been working on it. I have, together with a lot of people on my Discord, been working on it all day. And we have not managed to crack it yet. But it, it there is some other things with the mega ship that has not... There's a little puzzling that's new. And that is, if you go to the rear end of the mega ship. There are three patches that has been repaired with some kind of foam. Um, you can shoot that foam with a laser that burns off the foam, revealing a hull patch, a new, a new targetable object on the mega ship, a hull pa- like a hull breach that you can go and now target. Um, and if you scan that hull breach, you get a docking point for a repair limpet, and you can now launch a repair limpet that will then fly up and spray new foam and basically close up that hole again. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't give you anything new information, but I've never seen repair limpets act that way. And I've tried everything with those. I've been shooting <laughs> torpedoes into them. I've been shooting subsurface displacement missiles, seismic charges. I've been trying to do damage to them with lasers and kinetic weapons, just nothing. Um, so Astro, that's a dead end. Yeah. Have you tried giving it a hug? <laughs> I haven't tried to bump it yet. <laughs> Maybe I should do that. Um, but... So right now we have a dead end with the listening coast that we don't know. But luckily, one of the other things we also know that the fleet carrier, the megaship, came back to Chokchen, where it also started from. And we know what direction it came from, from those systems in the uh, in the Galnet article. Mm-hmm. 
And we know also from the ship lock that you can scan that the last system it visited was an A-class star. Luckily, A-class are really rare. So if you can kind of go in that direction and you can find that it points you pretty much directly to an A-class star, if you go to that system, you will then find a, um, a crashed Sidewinder. But in this point, we are kind of solving the puzzle backwards because I believe we're supposed to solve that listing post and that was, was going to, and I think that will lead us to the base out in the, um, in the Witchhead Nebula, yes. uh, Witchhead, sorry, in the uh, Colsec Nebula. Yes. That was actually found by accident already. Um, and, and that thing has a lot of information regarding, um, remember this is two, 200 years ago where they seem to have encountered um, a crashed Thargoid and barnacles. There's a lot of barnacles out there. Um, and they seem to have captured something. And what exactly they captured is uncertain. We know that it's corrosive, so it's definitely Thargoid tech. But it could be a probe, but it could also be an actual living Thargoid. Like the actual... Like, not just a part of the ship or a module from the ship, but the actual Thargoid has also been theorized. Hmm. Um, so let me ask you a couple questions. And these yeah. are things that occurred to me. First off, I'm wondering, because... So in the live stream, the second stream, the non-skit, the, the serious stream that Frontier mm. did yesterday talking about the event, Arthur told me specifically stated, and there's a couple things. He, he was like, man, there's one thing that I'm surprised nobody's talking about just yet. And there's a couple things that come to my mind. The first is this. I'm wondering if we're meant to sort of be discussing the fact that it, we have information sort of that indicates, I mean, sort of INRA or someone doing INRA-like activities being active in 3111 when INRA wasn't officially formed until 3125. Maybe it's a precursor to INRA or something. There's there's people out there doing stuff. What, do you, what are your thoughts I... on that? I think what he's referring to there, he also mentioned that there was something on the mega ship that hasn't been discussed at that point. Mm. I think what he's referring to there is the foam on the rear engines that wasn't really discussed much at that point because everybody okay. was just, okay, we yeah. got the lock. The second thing that I think um, that we actually only just today began to discuss is when you look at the flight plan, it says, okay, we're leaving on this date and then there's an empty day where the log entry is not there. Right? We have the day that we know there's a log entry on that day, but we don't have any data in that log entry. We have it on screen now here on the 28. And then we see on the 29, it arrives at the listening coast. Mm. So the question is, where did it stop on the 28? And what did it do there? So yeah. it did something between Chuck Chan and the listening coast. It stopped somewhere along those routes. And I've spent... We know two systems that it did stop in, and I've been through those systems, and I have scanned every single body, and I've been within a thousand light years of every single body. <laughs> That's those two systems to check if there was anything there, and turned up with nothing so far. So, here's the other thing that occurs to me, and again, this might be tinfoil hatting harder than whatever, but it just occurs to me the fact that it would seem to indicate that this incident represents the actual first contact between humans and Thargoids. Oh, yeah. yeah. With, with the possible exception of whatever the hell the unknown alien threat that the Federation president 
drove off or claimed to drive off in 2867. Uh, that was never cleared up if that was meant to represent Thargoids or something else, or if it was a PR lie. But the official timeline for Frontier Dangerous, or sorry, from Elite Dangerous, says that in 2867, there was a president named Olaf Smith. He sends a federal fleet to investigate after several traders disappear in Zaleda. When more traders disappear in Kukuve and Aimai, the Federation fortifies the Lieda system uh, with a major military hub to defend against apparent, quote, alien threat. Smith claims that he was driving away the alien threat, uh, and that makes him super popular with the populace. Uh, it's never proven if that was Thargoid or alien activity. Uh, behind the disappearances, Smith's actions result in the enhancement of the Federal Navy and go a long way towards the restoring of public trust in the presidency following the corrupt Galen administration decades. Later, there's a pirate known as the Black Prince, and he claims that he was the one responsible for the attacks, not aliens, and the attacks were only stopped because he and his cohorts retired. Um, the Black Prince's story is widely disputed, but some assert that his claims are simply uh, exaggerated version of what is uh, a, a, a sort of true story. So, with the one exception of that possibility, which I think, and I can't prove it, but I think that it is explained by this pirate that, that had nothing to do with Thargoids. Other than that, there's this would definitely be Thargoid first contract, according to everything that is known in the timeline now what do you think uh down to earth yeah i i think this may be at least the first now confirmed case when you have that one there that you mentioned that that might be it is one of it it may be we don't know perhaps uh it, it was an earlier one but this would definitely be the first one where we can almost say for certain yes this how uh, this was a thargoid encounter this is the um, first confirmed thargoid encounter because exactly. this for sure was thargoid the question yeah, the I think that's not confirmed is if it was first, but we think it was. There could be absolutely no doubt that it's a Stargoids. We've been down there, we've seen the crash sites, mm -hmm. we've seen the barnacles, we even know that there are still Stargoids in the area. Um, like actual working Stargoids, not just wrecks. <laughs> so, so, yes, absolutely. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I had my heart set that this Halloween event was going to be big, you know, the Thargoids reinvade and whatever. And I was super, I was promoting the idea everywhere. I was saying like this, I feel it, I feel it in my bones. Okay, I was wrong. It happens. But looking at this now, you know, I was like, because uh, people were saying, well, it could be, you know, a ghost ship or whatever. And I was like, no, nah, man, they're not going to do ghost ship this year. They'll do ghost ship next year because next year we'll be able to get around in leggy mode and walk around on the ghost ship and it'll turn into a haunted house and it'll be awesome. This year they're going to do Thargoids. Didn't happen, but maybe it did. Maybe what we're getting here isn't just because Bruce, or sorry, Art made some specific comment more or less to this effect in the serious stream they did yesterday where he said, look, this is not only a Halloween event, but this is important to the overall story. This fits in as a piece of the overall. This isn't a one-off. This isn't an episode of, you know, you know, I don't know, whatever, some show from the 80s. This isn't an episode of Cheers or 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 uh what's that show? Oh, Family Guy, where 
random shit happens and then at the end of the episode it's like okay and reset and now the next episode is like nothing happened yeah this, 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 is, not, this is not a status quo event this is yes. gonna have yeah exactly it yeah. has ramifications for the overall lore of the whole thargoid human interaction within the the the, the canon of canonical of of elite dangerous so maybe this is laying down some groundwork for something big that maybe <clears throat> the people along the spectrum of Halt and Malik VR and whatever who are saying like, you know, we were the antagonizers of the Thargoids, not the other way around. Maybe this justifies them in some way. Maybe this leads to something we find out with, which leads to some new big bad, v, you know, uh, uh, Thargoid that we have to fight. You know, maybe this leads to that Thargoid mega ships, or maybe this leads to a renewed invasion of a higher level, or maybe this leads to some Thargoid, if not homeworld per se, but some Thargoid base world, just like we found Guardian ruins all over the place. What if we found some Guardian ruins, or sorry, some Thargoid ruins that have actual walking around Thargoids of in the, on them in, oh, I don't know three months or so when oh i don't know maybe we're walking around on planets like this could be very very important for 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 the overall sort of lore and 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 you know whatnot of the game i think i'm i'm getting more and more after some people mentioned it doing the the live stream i did yesterday that that what they have found i always assume okay they found a probe right i mean it took a probe it corroded the ship everything went haywire I'm getting more and more. I'm beginning to subscribe more and more to the idea that what they find was not a probe, but was an actual, um, was an actual thargoid. They do living mention thargoid? it briefly. Sorry, living. Yeah, an actual uh, living thargoid, not not ooh. not the full interceptor, but that because they mentioned they put it in a cage, and then later they they try to like build a container around it with, with like full-on bulkheads, but at first they put it in a cage, and they do mention in one of the logs, they say they don't know exactly what it is they have pulled out of yeah. the uh, of the crash ship, whether it's the pilot or, um, or a part of the ship. So they're a little uncertain what it is. See, imagine, um, though, imagine though that it's a probe, for example, just as an, as an example. It could be a link, it could be a probe, it could be anything, but imagine that it's a probe. When you first, when I first came across a probe in game, it's like, okay, it's just the thing. But then it starts, it starts giving you that predator rattle and mm -hmm. shit starts shaking and getting all timey wimey interdimensional, you know, gets all like wavy, uh, you know, around it. And you're like, is this thing alive? Is this, you know what I mean? Like if you showed an iPhone to somebody from the dark ages and all of a sudden, I put on a video or whatever. They're going to be like, "Oh, there's a little man on that thing." Like you're 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 not sort of qualified to, you know. So it could be they're seeing a probe, but they're seeing things that to them are like, "I think this thing's moving. It's talking. It's making noises. It's alive. It's whatever." But I don't, it just maybe. sound from the sound clips that we have. It just sounds like this thing is. And it's, if it's a probe, it's a very, very angry probe. <laughs> <laughs> um, that thing is making aggressive noises that I have maybe not even heard from interceptors yeah. when they get mad at you. This this thing is is angry, like mm. beyond angry. That's why I'm I'm beginning to think, okay, could could this be the an actual goid, like an uh, like a living 
Thargo, it would make, you know, if you look at it from a meta perspective, it would make so much sense that we now get this first seed of getting Thargoids in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. Kind of like Independence Day, where they go to Area 50, what, Area 51, and they find that there's actually like, oh yeah, we've had one of these aliens locked up in a whatever. Yeah, that could be weird. All right, cool. So that covers that, and that covers the tweet uh, series of tweets that we got and Instagram pics or whatever. Yes. That covers the... And, and if people, just if people are wondering, the whole, uh, he's watching the stones, that is, was, we got confirmation that that is one of the crew members um, who lost his mind, and what they refer to as the stones are the particle sites. Yeah. Um, so it's not... So that that has been solved. That whole thing we kind of know. We know why they have the uh, the coal sack. So the main mysteries that are still to be solved is that listening post. What does that message mean? And then a small secondary thing for me is what's up with those hull breaches? Is are, the, are we missing something there? Those are yeah. the two things that I'll I think I'll be focusing on right now. The rest of it, we, I think we kind of got that down. Okay, awesome. <laughs> If if I could chime in real quick, the whole breaches, um, those are not new. A few weeks ago, we actually uh, covered and showed a little bit of a footage uh, from whole breaches on Thargoid attack ships that uh, people could actually repair with repair limpets. To my knowledge, though, this is the first time that we have seen something where the hull breaches are already repaired, um, and and. You know, you could see it. I, I actually drove up to him. I'm trying to, to get to the ship now so I can show it uh, mm-hmm. on stream. But it is not new and unique to this particular one, with exception okay. of the fact that maybe it is with regards to already being repaired before you get there. Well, also, the fact that it's on a mega ship that is a generation ship that is part of a special event with the puzzle we're trying to figure out. So, that I mean, that makes it unique in that. It, it, so we've seen before is this a generation where, ship? for example frontier had to do had to figure out how to do slf so that they could do the thargon swarm or or whatever like it could be that that thing that we saw that they were doing before where they had those patches they needed to test it on assets or whatever before they put it in on this thing so it, it could still be you know very very relevant but it, yeah, but it, it it may it may not because I didn't actually know that we had this um, before. I've never encountered them before. But if we've seen these before, then I'm less likely to think that they have something special to do with this event. Um, they may just be there for yeah. Well, um, it's yeah, a damaged mega ship. There's got to be hull breaches, right? Yeah. Um, it's interesting though. We'll but see. again, so but the main one is still that listening post. That thing needs uh, that, that needs solving. Mystery <laughs> for sure. Uh, it's void opals, I tell you. We'll see. All right. Uh, moving on to sort of the next thing. What we've got is the Elite Week Race News. And this is sponsored by the eight-wheel drive endurance challenge that just concluded this last, uh, actually, the week before. So, uh, Arson, go ahead and throw that up there. We're going to show this. It's a it's a, like a five-minute video because this is the end. This is the capper for the entire series. And it will be gone until, you know, hopefully they'll pick up the series again in the spring of next year. But we really want to show this. I want to highlight this. I've been a huge fan of this entire series. I don't know. Have you seen this, Arson or uh, 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 Astro? Have you seen any of this eight-wheel drive endurance challenge? 
No, not yet. You are in for a treat. Go ahead and play the video for five minutes, Arson, and uh, let's, let's... This Sunday hosted the final race of the eight-wheel drive endurance championship. This final race consisted of a two-stage rally. The first stage consisted of a 64-kilometer rally from Cube to Barreros, and after a break and a regroup, a race back again to Cube. Three, two, one, go. Alright, everyone with a good start. Shea a little bit late, having to go over the red pillar as expected. Osasha is pitching down very aggressively. This first race saw Shea Blackwood taking a huge amount of risk as he had already locked in his uncontested first place in the championship. Commanders Alec Turner and Osashes spend the opening stages of the race battling it out for second place with eight more racers in pursuit, with Osashes ultimately taking the lead by several minutes over Alec. Nearing the closing stages of the race, Shea Blackwood struggled to regain control over his scarab after a multitude of bad bounces, leading to his inevitable explosion with no effect on his first place in the championship. Commander Crank Larson then takes the lead of the race, nearing the finish line with as little as 6% hole remaining and Osashes less than a kilometer behind. Oh, this is gonna be tight, Crank. Stopping for him was not an option as he ultimately crossed the finish line with as little as 3% hole remaining. Only 36 seconds later, Commander Osashes finishes the race in second place, securing at least a third place in the championship. Commander Alec Turner, opting for a safer rally this time to avoid another DNF, finally finishes in a third place position as a result, not yet securing his second place in the championship. Here are the results then for the first stage of the final race. Crank Larson finishes in first place with a total of 19 minutes, with Osashes close behind in second place with as little as 36 seconds extra on the clock. A third place finish for Alec Turner with 3 minutes and 20 seconds additional. Followed by Donald Anderson, Sir Balthazar, a first time finish for Hep, Fat Haggard and finally Crater Camper. Terror Siddick, Shea Blackwood and our newest racer Mr. Piledriver all bit the dust early. With these standings, Alec Turner failed to secure second place in the first stage of the race, so he will need another good result in his second stage. Osashes could no longer lose his third place position, so he focused all of his attention on trying to outrace Alec in an all or nothing run to snatch second. 3, 2, 1, go. Alright, Alec with an early start, but then, ooh, he, he's going airborne very early then and hadn't built up a lot of speed yet, so he's slow off the start, very slow off the start, with Osashes currently taking the lead and Alec being about seven drivers for five, five to seven drivers behind. The second stage saw Shea Blackwood again going for it at maximum speed in mind, so the focus really was on that second place finish. We see Osashes going all out as well, trying to steal away that second place from Alec with an initial sprint he was building up a gap to Alec but then no! <laughs> with commander Osashes then blowing up we have Alec Turner again on his way to secure second place in the championship which he manages to do in style Beautiful. <laughs> 1% hold Crank Larson is next to fly his way across the finish line in third place with behind him Donald Anderson, Fat Haggard, Crater Camper, and Terror Siddick. Let's skip straight ahead to the championship standings then and see where this puts everyone. A huge congratulations to Commander Shea Blackwood for finishing in a well-deserved first place in the championship. 
Throughout the championship, Shade Blackwood demonstrated his absolute mastery of the Scarab SRV by flying across and adapting to various terrains and gravities with impressive skill. In second place, we have Alec Turner with cunning tactics to secure the safe finishing positions paying off. Third is Osashes, learning about fliving and mastering the art throughout the championship. A big congratulations to all the podium finishers. Followed by the top three, we have Skur with a fourth place finish, despite only partaking in three races in total. Let this be a message to all the other racers to step up their game. Crank Larson secures a fifth spot, Fat Haggard a sixth, followed by Donald Anderson, Donald 47, Terror Siddick, Crater Camper, Connor Scott, Zach Hugh, Sir Balthasar, Lusky, Kate Balthasar, Tenna and Hep, and finally Buster 335. The winners of the championship will be receiving these beautiful trophies in the mail in recognition of their incredible performances. Finally, I would like to take this quick opportunity to officially finish off this championship by saying how much I have enjoyed organizing these races. Seeing how this brings people together, forming friendships over the internet is something I am incredibly thankful for. With that said, stay tuned for more championships organized by myself. I have all sorts of spectacular things planned in the shape of hill climbs, urban climbs, settlement races, etc. So for now, I will say, fly dangerously, Commander. Right on, good stuff, man. And again, uh, I've added the uh, acrylic schematic of the SRV that Frontier sent me. I've regifted it to Commander Shea Blackwood as the uh, winner of the overall series, and that concludes the eight-wheel drive uh, endurance rally challenge for this year. Hopefully, we will see another one pick up in the spring or or summer of next year, because it was super, super awesome. Um, all right. So that takes us to the Reddit list of the 29 or uh, no, 30, sorry, 30 best tools and sites for Elite Dangerous. Arson, throw it up on the screen. You can see there the uh, top 30 tools and sites for everything that you need to know about uh about elite dangerous and oh the the the, bot, the right corner is blocked uh, by the uh, the chat there Arson uh, yeah so the, oh yeah there we go so there's Anara database voice attack ED engineer you know going on and on it goes all the way down to number thirty which is the Elite Week podcast and it looks totally official and not at all sus so uh, <laughs> all right. So check those out. Uh, the link is in the show notes nice. to the Reddit. Uh, yeah, thanks. I, to the uh, yeah, no, Elite Week isn't number one. We're we're number thirty. We're in the news section. That's we. We don't want to. Uh, you got to do this legitimate. This is all one hundred percent. Every one of these are exactly legitimate and and vetted. So okay, um, check it out in the show notes. Good stuff. These are, you might look at it and go like, what's ED Profiler? What's EDS, EDSY? What's, you know, Alpha Orbital? And, and 
go look into a thing and be like, oh, that's cool. All right, I dig it. I'm, I'm learning something new. I've got a new tool. I've got something to make uh, my time at Elite better. So get on that. Next up, we've got uh, uh, the Matt Ricardo. This is uh, uh, an old one, but he did a 2.2 chip scale video back in October of 2016 uh, that was legitimately amazing it starts with like a banana and then it goes up to like a thing and then it goes up to a guy and then it goes up to a uh a uh you know srv and then an slf and then a sidewinder and it goes all the way up to the majestic interdictor and the farragut battle cruiser and then a station it is incredible um so check it out um, the links are in the show note. Also, Data Slate episode 19 dropped this week in which uh, Alan Stroud with guests Kevin Elliott and Shona Kinsella. Uh, those are two, uh, well, three, including Alan, three authors. Uh, they talk about, uh, you know, like I said from, from last week's show, it's a sci-fi fantasy horror uh, book club kind of thing, podcast that you can listen to and get cool stuff this week they talk about the british fantasy awards nomination list they talk about uh a uh cage of souls by adrian tchaikovsky a memory called empire by arcady martin and shades of gray by jasper ford just to clarify that shades of gray is not the one you're thinking of that's like housewife porn it's uh it's this weird place where like (laughs) It's like people are represented by colors and then like some people are supposed to be sort of the inventive imaginative types. And some people are supposed to be the smart or like organizer engineer types. And some people are supposed to be like the brute force workforce, you know, drone bees. <clears throat> and they have all these weird rules in this society. And it's just looking at a society from a completely alien lens and saying like, oh, okay, this is an interesting, you know, story that's told in a way that makes you question some things it's good stuff check it out the link is in the show notes laveradio.com forward slash data slate dash episode dash 19 also this week i want to highlight loose screws podcast uh you can find them at anchor.fm forward slash loose screws they had a great show this week they talked about the spooky fried egg was the, the episode of the show um in it they talked about uh the uh tour that uh, the the spooky Halloween tour that uh, Commander Awan did last week uh, on on Tuesday, where they went to a bunch of different spooky sites in lore of the game and saw lots of neat stuff. Um, you know what? We need to circle back on something. I got so caught up in talking about the eight wheel drive endurance challenge, I forgot arson. You brought something to my attention that was amazing. Why don't you cover that real quick? Just to be very, very clear, Commander Osashis, who made this uh, made this little demo or whatever, it's a it's a little playable game that he's doing. He states very clearly in the video that he did for this, I don't own this content. This is all rights are reserved by Elite Dangerous and Frontier Developments. And I'm just making this as a fan-made thing. I'm not looking to sell it. It's just a little fan mod to have fun for those of us that love to race around in the SRV because we love the SRV. So this is our love letter to it. I just want to be absolutely clear so that 
nobody gets any cease and desist or whatever that this is he's he's not looking to make any profit or do anything on it other than a love letter to the SRV. Go ahead, Arson. Uh, yeah, I was just going to uh, say before I muted myself, as per the usual, apparently. Uh, it's it's a wonderful little standalone SRV racing experience. Has some uh, nifty little ramps and things. It's still in early development. Uh, it is not ready for public testing yet, um, but it is a really really cool little uh, little demo. Uh, this is actual gameplay uh, that he has released in this uh, little uh, teaser here. This is him playing the game. Uh, and it looks like it'll be a, a nice, fun little experience to uh, play with. Yeah. And he's a little racetrack, and you can set up courses and, you know, do some death-defying jumps and whatnot. It's it's good stuff. You've right. got some of the physics down pretty good, I think. I mean, yep. you can see when he do the jumps and it lands. It's not just um, what you may expect in this stage. It just, like, sticks to the ground like glue. It, it actually, like, jumps yeah. around. It looks like you could flip that thing if you wanted to. Oh yeah, the back the way the back wheels bump there on the landing, yeah. For yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So big salute to Osashis, who was number three. He came in third in the overall eight wheel drive endurance race challenge, and you could tell that this guy, yeah, uh, he knows his stuff and he loves the SRV. So wanted to share that with everybody. Next up, we have Titan Contractors. They are in the midst still. They're ongoing on their trip Epsilon tour. It is ongoing now through November 22nd. Uh, there's a video link that is in the uh, show notes for you to see. And there is also a Google Doc where even though they're already ongoing, you can catch up to them if you want to catch up to them and see in the Google Doc, okay, where are the places that they're going next? What are the next spots? They're doing tours of, uh, you know, um, what the generation ships and whatnot. So go Check out the Google Doc. Check out the video. See if you're interested. Go take a look. And next up, we have our Elite Week uh, Canon Interstellar Spotlight. This week, we're going to spotlight the new Canon radio podcast. They have put out another episode this week. Um, first half of it's a fireside chat on the ongoings, you know, in the bubble, the, the goings-on in the bubble, uh, the Galnet stuff and all of the different things. And they chat back and forth with their tinfoil hat theories and whatnot. And the second half is a Xenobiology Special. Uh, they have a guest, Commander Crimshadow, comes in and he talks about his investigations into Xenobiology and Elite. And he talks about lots of different locations that he's been and lots of different things that he's seen. And what are the scariest ones? I think part of that was, you know, kind of a little Halloween themed. What are the spookiest, weirdest, scariest? What's the stuff that haunts his, his dreams? And uh, check it out. It's like a, what, hour and a half or whatever. Uh, if you're looking for something to throw on the second screen, check out the Canon Podcast. Next up, we have Real Life Science. So let's go ahead and run through these. The first thing we've got is Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson breaking down NASA's discovery of water on the moon. He talks about what it means and whatever. And just to be clear, we're talking about water molecules on the moon. Uh, the TLDR version is <clears throat> that they have looked over an area of space uh, ground-wise that is larger than a football field, and they found molecules such that if you were to harvest them and sift through all of that and get them together, you could make maybe a can of Coke worth of, you know, a little soda can worth of, 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 of water molecules that you would put together. So it's not like, don't, don't 
get it wrong. It's not like, hey, just on the other side, there's waterfalls. I'm like, no, it's it's different. But it's interesting. It's still scientifically of note. It's noteworthy. Then we have two episodes of This Week at NASA. First one is three minutes long. Talks about the OSIRIS-REx success. Talk about the three uh, safe returns of uh, one astronaut and two cosmonauts coming back from the ISS. We discussed that last week. Um, the second episode of This Week in NASA talks about the Artemis Accords that we talked to you about last week that were signed, uh, where uh, a, a group of different countries are working together on this project to get us first to the moon uh, as a permanent base and then onwards uh, outward into the solar system. They talk about the water molecules on the moon that was found by uh, the, uh, what do you call it, Sophia. They talk about the continued success of the OSIRIS-REx. The Crew-1 launch that's scheduled for November 14th. The ISS capturing footage of Hurricane Zeta. Uh, the, and that the fact that November 2nd uh, marks 20 years of manned ISS missions, continual. And uh, NASA has identified a molecule on Saturn's largest moon, Titan's atmosphere, that has uh, never been detected by any other in any other atmosphere. It's called cyclopropenylidine. Yep, I'm smart. Uh, it is a precursor to more complex compounds that could feed possible life on Titan. Now, keep in mind, we've got a Dragonfly mission that's going, that's targeted to launch uh, on its way to Titan in 2027. So let's keep an eye out for that. Next up, we've got a video by uh, Scott Manley. SpaceX identifies, so so he, he just did a, did a fireside chat for 11 minutes. We talked about a couple of different things. The first thing uh, is SpaceX identified an engine problem. Um, they had a launch a few weeks back. There was a launch that SpaceX uh, of a, a Falcon 9 uh, it was supposed to launch a bunch of satellites. It was aborted at the two-second mark by the computer. So they're there. They start the engine, the, the rocket fire. The first one's already gone off, and then the computer auto-aborts the whole thing. They had to look into it, what the hell's going on. <clears throat> they found that they were getting some readings that were not proper in one of the engines. Uh, what they did, this was amazing. They took the engine down and CAT-scanned it. And what they found was a clog of a little tiny infinitesimal amount of lacquer in an engine line. And that was lacquer that was, was red lacquer that was left over. And if, we're talking millimeters of red lacquer that was left over from a cleaning process that had gotten into a line that it wasn't supposed to. In the cleaning process, they had heated it to like spray it off and it had sort of a little teeny bit of it had sort of evaporated and gone into this engine line and then solidified and was causing a problem. So SpaceX, or number one, pulled that engine and took it apart and had it repaired. Number two, based on the fact that the same company did the same lacquer process on two other rockets, SpaceX took them apart as a preventative measure and, and found that, yes, there were concerns on those and fixed them so that, you know, they've swapped it all out. They're being very, very above board, very, very, uh, you know, conscientious in, in, in attacking this. Even 
just saying, oh, hey, if this one had a problem, maybe these other ones have a problem. They're not messing around with this stuff. They're doing it right. Um, NASA was satisfied with the, the, the steps that they took to resolve the issue and provided the next launch that they have, which is the reschedule of the launch of the Falcon 9 to take up that group of satellites, provided that goes according to plans and it launches successfully. NASA has provisionally given the all clear for the launch to be rescheduled for crew one to launch on November 14th. So fingers crossed for everybody involved that number one, it's all successful. And number two, most importantly, everyone is safe. Uh, also, NASA announced molecular water found on the moon on October 27th. Everybody's sort of been covering this uh, of the week. It was the big news. And lastly, OSIRIS-REx had too much stuff in its sample container. Uh, it was greater than planned success. Uh, they had to take some extra steps to successfully, they couldn't sort of get it to close. And they took some steps to modify the procedure of what they were doing. They have now successfully sealed uh, the uh, sample container in place. And, and in Scott's video, he shows a picture that was sent back of, of the canister properly secured. It's being sent back to Earth. It should get here in 2023, and we'll have some cool stuff to look at. All right. So, next up, CNN put out a, a, an article. It was interesting. There was a fireball meteorite that fell to Earth in 2018, and it revealed its secrets. A 12 million year old satellite, or sorry, meteorite, Jesus, that fell to Earth in 2018 has been found to be covered in over 2,600 organic compounds. They're calling this the Hamburg meteorite because it was found, it had landed uh, just outside of Hamburg, Michigan, uh, by a meteorite hunter named Robert Ward. And they're saying, uh, scientists are saying that after extensively studying this, they're feeling like, okay, the numbers of compounds, because where it landed was in a dry, iced over, frozen over lake bed, where it didn't really come into contact with other organic materials. Now, presumably, it might have a little whatever, it's hard to sort of whatever, but they found it very quickly after it crashed down to Earth in 2018. They've studied it extensively, and because of the fact that it landed in a frozen lake bed, they're feeling that it's a very good thought or very good sort of uh, theory that this meteorite landed with these 2,600 plus organic compounds. And it's long been theorized or questioned that what if life on Earth sprung up on this planet because of, number one, the conditions were there, but number two, a meteorite fell to Earth with organic compounds on it that sort of then fed into the precursors that we had uh, that that turned into simple, you know, cell organisms that turned into complex multi-cell organisms that turned into eventually, you know, fish, things that crawled on the ground, monkeys, us, etc. Uh, so yeah, interesting stuff. Anton Petrov put out a video, possible discovery of a super habitable planet. KOI, which is a Kepler object of interest, 5715.01. 
this is uh, the closest that we know of uh, possible super habitable, habitable planet. They're saying that it would be what's what's more Earth than Earth like than Earth. Like what is even more able to sustain life than Earth. And 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 we uh, live in a we we have an M class. Is it M class or K class? Forget the, the sun is M class. Uh, G. Oh, it's G class. Okay. Well, in this yeah, video, so. he talks about the fact that um, it's not actually the, the the best one for life because there's other ones that because uh, our, our sun is not going to last as long as some other ones. And there's other ones that will last longer, but they throw out way too much radiation or have flares and have problems. This one is this this planet, this KOI 5715.01 seems to be um, possibly sort of our best candidate that's close. There was another Kepler uh, uh, planet that was confirmed, but farther away. So this it looks interesting. Check it out. I always love the What the Math Anton Petrov videos. Melody C uh, put out a video, Man on the Moon. It's music video with Apollo 11 audio remix. It's a cool, fun, funky little music video. And Isaac Arthur, because it's Halloween, I'm putting this one in the group. Isaac Arthur put out Science and Futurism, episode 262, Terrifying Aliens. It's a 30-minute long video. You want to scare the hell out of yourself on Halloween, <laughs> check that shit out because it's like, you know, what if we met aliens? It's not so much like, oh, alien or predator or whatever. It's like, what if we meet aliens that are so different from us that they look at us the same way we would like uh, uh, ants on an anthill where it's like, oh, I'm not going to interact with you know, those weird little monkeys, um, you know, I'm just going to sort of take the resources or take whatever I want and keep on moving. And what if it would look at us, not even as a, you know, whatever, or could be some spooky, spooky stuff that, 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 that picture on the screen is freaking me out. There are some, uh, Roy, I know you had a, an article as well for real life science. Yeah. Just, uh, so there's a few asteroids that have been tracked, um, that are on the short list of, Things that come uncomfortably close to Earth at some point in our future, and Apophis is one of those. Um, and uh, it it actually has several passes or a few passes that have been mapped out in the future. In extremely low, low, low chances uh, of any kind of impact, but you know it keeps popping back up and coming in the news. And one of the one of the newest stories uh, that Gizmodo had was that uh, it's now they're reevaluating one of its passes. Uh, in 48, that's supposed to happen in 48 years because of a phenomenon um, called the Yarkovsky effect. So I, I'm familiar with, I think many of our listeners are familiar with this this idea that certain objects, when they go around the sun, they get heated up on the off gas, and that creates a kind of, you know, it creates a stream you can see behind them sometimes, and sometimes it also creates a kind of propulsion that can change the orbit. This is something different. This is um, a much weaker effect where just the fact of heating uh, the asteroid um, as it travels, you know, in its orbit, and it can create a situation where it will um, re-radiate that heat out uh, asymmetrically, based on its surface and, and other things, and simply the pressure of the light, of that infrared light leaving the asteroid is enough to infinitesimally adjust its orbit. And this is something, I guess, because we've been looking at this asteroid for so many years, uh, the, the picture on the screen now is one from 2004, that they've actually detected this effect on it. 
and and so now this this uh, adjustment from the Yarkovsky effect is something they're having to take into account. Um, hasn't changed that you know now that they think it's you know they don't think now it's drastically increased the probability it's going to hit us or anything, but it has changed it. So it'll be something that gets added to the analysis of this and presumably others uh, along the way. Um, one sort of fun fact about this is in 2029, Apophis will have a close enough pass to Earth that you'll actually be able to see it with the naked eye because it's going to come closer than geostationary uh, satellites. Um, the pass that we're talking about with this uh, Yarkovsky effect, really, um, it's a 1 in 150,000 chance. So, yeah, mark your calendars, April 12th, 2068 uh, for that one. Good stuff, and I linked for the chat <clears throat> the uh, Stargate SG-1 picture of Apophis. You know, I will destroy <laughs> you all. How many times do we have to kill this guy? <laughs> all right. Love SG-1. And, and just as a side note, they say SG-1's coming. Or some Stargate is coming back. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. All right. Next up, we've got Roy Stories, Unisakashiro Part 7. Hook it up, Arson. Next up in our Inara reading series is Commander Yuna Sakashiro with her story Unbound. We pick up the action on 13th of June 3306 in Part 7, Eternity's Backdrop. The feeling of joy and relief that Yuna felt when she stepped out of her sidewinder and onto the landing pad at Jacques Station was so overwhelming that she sank to her knees. Tears began to fill her eyes and blurred her vision. After weeks of traveling through the endless depths of space, she had finally arrived in Colonia. Yuna slowly walked through the corridor that connected the hangar with the station's main hub. The noise of the ships outside began to fade as she went deeper into the station's belly. The lighting in this part of the corridor was warm and attenuated. It made her feel safe and relaxed. She turned around a corner and saw a glass door at the end of a corridor. The room Behind the door was brightly lit. Yuna covered her eyes. She noticed something in the air, a strange smell. She went further down the corridor. She could see her reflection in the polished wall. Her face, her pilot suit, made of dark gray textile with the orange logo of Owen's shipyard on her chest. The smell in the corridor grew stronger. Yuna began to realize that the air here was even worse than in Coral City. She wanted to wear her respirator, but realized she had left it behind in her sidewinder. For a moment, she considered going back. The glass door at the end of the corridor was now only a few meters away. Yuna hoped that the air behind it would be better than this. And then a familiar shape appeared behind the glass. A young man, Caucasian, short red hair, gentle face, wearing a black pilot suit and an old brown leather jacket. Yuna realized it was Logan. A feeling of happiness grew in her as she walked towards the door. She had missed him so much. She noticed that his mouth was moving. His lips were forming words, but she could not hear them through the glass. She stepped closer. The door opened, and now she heard him speak. But it wasn't his voice. It was a female voice. It sounded like the voice of her shipwinder's Kovas, and it said, Warning! Temperature critical! Why would he say that? It made no sense. None of this made any sense. Sakashiro woke up in her pilot seat. She realized she had fallen asleep while scooping fuel. She was close to a star, way too close. The ship was about to overheat. The cockpit was already filling with smoke. Sakashiro grabbed the control stick and forced the sidewinder into a sharp turn, then throttled up to 100%. Her ship had no heatsink launcher installed. If she dropped out of supercruise now, she would be burned alive. She felt her heart racing. Then the temperature began to drop. 
Sakashiro collapsed in her seat, exhausted. She was sweating, her hands were shaking uncontrollably. When the adrenaline rush faded away, the pain in her leg returned. An unknown substance had burned the skin of her thigh and caused an infection back in the hardware room of Landing Pad 6, where she had fought for her life. She opened the first aid kit that was mounted to the side of the cockpit. The antibiotics didn't seem to work, and she was running out of painkillers. She opened the navigation panel and realized that she had no chance to reach Colonia in time before the infection would spread and incapacitate her. Sakashiro watched the vast starfield on the other side of the canopy. Eternity's backdrop. This, she realized, was where she would die. Wow, Yuna. Uh, oof. Not having a great day there. But I've seen you in the chat many times, so I know you get out of it. So we'll have to see how. All right. Are we got how many more, Roy? Do we are we going to have of Yuna before we switch off? Uh, at least a couple. I, there's some right. good stuff. Uh, yeah, more good stuff up it. ahead. I dig it. Good deal. All right. Um, <laughs> Yuna with the wink in chat. Beautiful. All right. So next up, we have the discussion topics. <clears throat> now we did a topic a couple couple what a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. Game balance, credits per hour, et cetera, et cetera. And we talked about it a good bit. Um, I feel like we already weighed in on it. I really would like to get, because I've had this discussion with Down to Earth a couple of times. I would like to get your input on what you think would be good to do with game balance credits per hour uh, coming up maybe in Odyssey or whatever. Yeah. So game uh, credits per hour in comp balancing is a... It's a very, very difficult topic to get right. Um, we've, we saw it with the... Um, I mean, we had the fleet carrier update where the fleet carrier changes were the main thing, right? And they just want to do some minor changes to um, to mining. And we saw what happens if you make just a slight change to something that it can have tremendous effects somewhere else. You have this like the, the, the butterfly effect almost. Like it's 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 a very chaotic system to try and balance. So I think it's very difficult for Frontier to do this in a in a safe manner. And when it comes to rebalancing um I would say that there is definitely areas of elite that needs rebalancing. Um there are activities in the game that I feel I should pay more. And might I say, there might also be activities that maybe should pay a little bit less than they do, um, <laughs> especially income. It is always a, like it's it's funny because if you go back a couple of years, we had the Quince Gold Rush, where you could do um, surface scan missions, and people were making. If you were good and if you were like focused on what you were doing and you were effective and you knew what you were doing and RNG Jesus was on your side. You were making 80 millions per hour and people were freaking out and calling it exploits and people should be banned and nobody should be able to make that kind of money. And they were killing themselves to make it that fast too. And they, they were kill, they were working they were working for it. Yeah. Today Yes, today if 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 you know what you're doing, you have the right ship. Mining 150 to 200 millions per hour is, is not a big deal. Um so there's been this this I'm not going to call it the power creep, but there's going to be like an exp, an ex, what was it called? Like, inflation? No, an, an expected income creep, mm -hmm. right? People have gotten used to 
getting these high incomes that it's going to be, I think, very difficult for Frontier to pull it down without having a massive, massive um, like fallback from the from the community. So I feel like staying around the 150-ish mil uh, per hour is probably going to be where we're going to see a lot of the stuff if they're going to rebalance it. But one of the main issues, and this is pretty much regardless of what activity you want to rebalance, the main problem is, and there's already a problem now, is you can't just go out and say combat, for instance, is one of the ones that often is used because it doesn't pay that much. But let's say that they just went out and say, okay, tomorrow all bounties are 10 times their current value. This might be fine for an endgame player that has their full engineered corvette and they're just ripping through anacondas like it's nothing that might now mean that combat for that player is now balanced for compared to something like mining but the problem is that you now completely skewed early game so the balance is always that you need to try and find a way to make the balancing like the the the, the income curve needs to be balanced as well it doesn't work if a new player can go out in the sidewinder, shoot one ship, and then they get two million credits. So what if, what if we were to look at mining and say, mining is good where it's at for an endgame player, but what are some methods we could use to sort of slow down the newbie just a little bit yeah, to it, that they mine not at that prodigious rate? Yeah, we... we, we briefly talked about this before and i think if you wanted to slow because mining for a new player is by far the fastest way to progress through the game and you can i i think i showed it after the fleet carry update where i had a character i reset him and within 24 hours of gameplay not by clock time but 24 hours of play time i had enough to buy a fleet carrier and that was from a a sidewinder with nothing unlocked Mm -hmm. um so I think what you could do with mining, if you want to balance that and try to manage that uh, income curve, would be to add engineering to mining lasers so that a engineered mining laser would be as effective as it is today, approximately the same level as it is today. So you don't really touch income for the end game player. End game is, is very much in air quotes here. Um, but that means the newer player who does not have access to all the engineers doesn't have the the resources and and have to spend the time unlocking engineers is not going to be able to go out and just basically mine themselves than a content in the afternoon hmm. um because as much as i like to see people progress in elite and as much as i want to help people progress in the game and get over that feel of grind that there there is in elite i also think that it can a lot of people off the game if they go out and within two days they're flying around in their brand new anaconda because that's one of the things that i really liked in my early game experience was that unlock progress where you really feel like oh i've been working towards this ship i'm really really i really feel like i've earned this ship now um and that, that kind of goes away if you can just make an anaconda within the first day of playing so, so let me put the question to you i have seen in some places here and there people making comments along the lines of like, all right, here's how you fix it. Number one, make all payouts for combat 10 times higher than they are now minimum. Hmm. What would happen if we were to do that? 
specifically, I'm talking about the corner case of uh, stacking uh, wing massacre missions. Yeah. Okay. So, so that is, of course, the, the, the one of the things is the wing massacre missions right now pay, but it, it wouldn't be that bad for that because the main source of income for wing massacre missions is the missions themselves. So, if you don't touch the actual missions, but just talk, touch the bounties, well, yes, you are going to add a significant amount of money to that. But I don't feel that is that huge of an issue because the wing massacre missions for those to work you need to have a wing of four players that has they're dedicating their time to this task over multiple days and people need to be online at the same time there's a lot of coordination that needs to goes into this you can't just go out as a solo player well you can but it's not going to be as effective as you were doing this in a wing because everybody needs to be online at the same time to progress towards the mission and Everybody needs to be there when you're when you're handing in in order to get the credit payout from it and right, yeah. So I don't feel that's like that's you, a huge. That that's if you only increase the payout of the bounties. But yes, it has been suggested by some that you should across the board on all payouts, including mission payouts, including everything, increase times ten minimum the amount of payout on on. So if you were to do for all things, including mission payout, if you were to take wing massacre missions and all of a sudden they paid out at 10 times higher what would be the the outcome of that yeah, people would make too much money <laughs> i think <laughs> no it, it would the, i think if you want to fix combat don't touch the bounties because the bounties i think is in a pretty good place when you look at it early game they're not good end game but what i would like to see is to take something like wing massacre missions and Turn the the difficulty curve up to eleven. Yes, and I mean to the point. I I mean, you should not be able to solo a wing master commission. Right. You should be dropped into a some kind of mission target or some kind of mission signal source. And if you fly there, I don't care how good your ship are, you should be ripped to shreds. And this should be a lot more. Yeah, but this should be so difficult that what you have to do is say, oh, I'm, I need to have someone who maybe have, um, who's just flying with uh, with Healy beams to try and keep other people alive. So we have like the the, the, the tank DPS uh, healer setup that we see from other um, games. You need to think about your fleet composition and you need to have these different roles that needs to be filled in the fleet in order to complete these missions. And even then, it will require some 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 coordination between between the pilots saying, "Hey, I need healing. You need healing. Don't go too far away, so I can't. Otherwise, I can't reach you." Uh, uh, you really need a lot of coordination. Everyone needs to know what they're doing. And those situations, when you have that level of difficulty, um, then you can have the payouts as well. Of course, this kind of difficulty should pay out because all of a sudden, if your healer mess up or if you're uh, DPS, he runs too far away and pulls some aggro, and he's out of range of the healer. His ship is gone, and all of a sudden you lost half the DPS you can field, and and now you have to run, and you just uh, rebuy down. Yeah. I think something I I I don't even care if Frontier goes out and makes NPC ships that are way more powerful than what we can ever get as players. Um, I I wouldn't mind that if the if they were like. If they were localized to these special missions, so just I I don't want over these kind of NPCs spawning in random belts or interdicting you, and that that would be a little bit too difficult, right? But 
for these type of missions, like take Wing Massacre missions, turn them up to 11, and let the payouts go with them. Um, I have a question that I'd like Roy to, to get in on when he was talking, thinking about other ways that you could gate progression. Roy? Yeah, so... You know, if one of the unintended consequences of making too much money is you race through the ship progression, and as you've mentioned, and I've noticed this too as a relatively newer player, there's a lot of really nice experiences you get by going up through all the ships instead of jumping straight to the top ships. Could you see benefit in using other mechanics to gate that progress rather than credits? Like some of the ships are behind ranks. What if more mm. were like that? Or what if it was maybe tied to engineer unlocks or some other some other mechanism I haven't thought of? Because it seems like the only people who take their time through that are the ones who maybe jump ahead too fast and then realize that that wasn't great or they, they hear about it someone like you and then they intentionally hold themselves back. But should a mechanism be built into the game that sort of shepherds more people through that, which I think is a fun process. Or how about instead of say, oh, it's behind your Empire rank or your Federation rank? What if it's a combat ship that's tied to something with your combat rank or a Could trade be. ship, yeah. your trade rank or exploration, yeah. etc.? Yeah, I don't. I mean, rank unlocks can. I mean, it's an easy way to get around the problem of people are making money fast. But like the root causes, people are making money fast, and normally the the ship should be gated by their cost. That they are too expensive to buy for a new player. That's what preventing a new player from buying an anaconda, like uh, right when they start. Um, yeah, there is a certain aspect to link <laughs> gating it behind ranks that can make people feel like they've given up a bunch of their freedom of choice. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not a huge fan of gating behind rank unlocks. I get it for the the faction ships. It it makes sense, and that's that's fine. Do you even agree it's a goal that should be pursued to try to make it so that people kind of have to progress through ships in the way it used to be? I think it I think it's beneficial for the game for the player experience. It doesn't have to be something that takes months and months of uh, of gameplay. Mm -hmm. Um but I still feel like it would be beneficial if people have at least just tried to fly a medium-sized ship. <laughs> um, because there's a lot of good medium-sized ships. But I think that I feel like what happens right now is people rush straight to the to the big three ships. Um, and then they go back and say, oh, there's also all these medium ships. Um, but I've seen this a countless times. People start elite. And they see people flying these highly super engineered uh, ships. And, and, and I mean, I put videos out on them myself. And they say, oh, I want that ship. So they unlock it, they buy it. And then they realize having the ship is only 10% of the actual work that goes into getting that ship because there's a bunch of engineers, there's a lot of materials, a lot of time spent engineering all those modules once you have them. And power some play. of the modules are more expensive than the ship itself. <laughs> and power so, play. Power play if you want no special weapons. So, so just getting the ship is only ten percent of the work, and I feel like a lot of players get kind of lose that because they they don't. If you're brand new and you don't really want to, um, you don't really want to 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 go into that whole engineering. There's a lot of new players who put put engineering off at the beginning, which which makes sense, but 
then later on when they finally get their big ship they realize that that big ship is well trash trash basically it's it's it, it doesn't live up to their expectations before they get all those engineers which is such a tremendous task to unlock them yeah and I, ideally the way they think the game is intended if you look at the way at the unlock requirements for engineers i see that as an extended tutorial mm. well it's now that's cheap. available to a lot more players since horizons just got rolled in true true all right so before we move on to the next topic, Arson, you get the last words on questions for uh, for uh, Astro on this. Hydra. <clears throat> no, the, the, so the the only activity that actually is in the game right now that requires a wing of people where they run support, that is the 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 triple or double Healy beam ships that just really put a rubber band around to trigger and then go AFK with turrets. Um, that no, it's not exactly. It's not exciting at all. Yeah, it works, but it's not exciting. Arson, are you muted? I love that muted like crazy. So I have fixed right. that problem. Sorry, we got to wrap this up quick. Yeah, let's let's just move on. Sorry. All right. So the next uh, topic was ask David. So this was something I. I- proposed to frontier I, I told them have you or would you consider doing a special feature maybe monthly to promote hype for elite dangerous where david braben does a quick five minute segment where he responds to submitted questions that could be vetted by the community management team something akin to the old 10 for the chairman segment that cig used to do with star citizen in the past back when they were making it seem like there was a game that was going to come out at some point uh, <clears throat> whenever David speaks directly to the community, his energy and enthusiasm is very well received, and this format would give Frontier control over the endeavor in such a way as to minimize anxiety. Basically, a forum thread that we could all go to and ask our questions. This community management team would sift through it, pull ones that are appropriate and and whatever, and uh, you know. And then they would go through it. And I gave a follow-up question. Here's an example of something that I I think David would be delighted to talk about because I've seen him do like great talks where he's sitting there one-on-one with Scott Manley or this one or that one. And and he just talks excitedly about the whole thing and it's contagious. So here's a question. Does David consider humanity in 3306 in Elite Dangerous Universe to be a Kardashev type one, two or three civilization and why? It's the kind of stuff where he could just talk excitedly, nerd out. We all love when we see David, you know, excitedly going at things. And I don't know. It would just be a neat thing. So let's start right off the bat with the guest. What are your thoughts on that, uh, Astro? I think it depends a lot on the questions that will be answered. Because... I don't feel like if, if people go in and, and it doesn't make sense to put Braven up and begin to answer questions like how will this new mechanic work and how will that new mechanic work? That can easily be handled by the community team. They already do that. They do a great job of it, I think. Mm. Um, so the things, as you just mentioned there, the things that are interested are like the, the law-heavy stuff around the Elite Universe. Um... I think it would be great. I mean, we saw it with the first Dev Diary where uh, Braben was part of the live stream that was accompanying the first Dev Diary. Mm-hmm. And it was a massive 
um, positive feedback as I saw it. A lot of people really think it was nice to see Braben um, come out again publicly talking about Elite Dangerous. Mm. Um, Excitedly. Exci- being excited about it, being excited about the future of Elite. Yes. Um, so yes, I would absolutely love to see a show like that. Uh, and like do it, I don't know, once a month, once a quarter, I don't know, something like that. And then focus the questions around the the more law intensive stuff and let all the nitty-gritty mechanics questions and that kind of stuff let that be handled by the community uh, team and then yeah the law stuff because that also means that they can prep the questions months in advance and they're not dependent on specific deadlines happening here and there and oh this content is not ready so braven can't talk about it yet if it's law related stuff it doesn't matter if he asks that questions now or in three months, if, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Roy, you want to get in on this? Yeah, I would. Uh, I would echo that. There's a level of of questions that that uh, makes sense, and I'd even go further and say it's kind of like he's the the Steve Jobs of space gaming. Uh, and it's a bit of a blessing and a curse, right? There's some game studios that I have no idea who's in charge of them, and I wouldn't care if that person came out and talked to us, but because he's shepherded this thing since Kickstarter and has the history for years before that, he is this personality and has this has this effect. Uh-huh. Um, similar, though, to like a Steve Jobs presentation, like I could not imagine Steve Jobs standing in front of a crowd and taking questions. People go to see him because, or went to see him because... He'd blow their mind. He'd have some visionary thing, and he'd be well, talking about that. Right? That's the point of this is not heckle. The this is not heckle, Mister Braven. This is you submit your questions. They filter through them. He talks excitedly about something that's pre whatever. This isn't a town hall situation. Per- so, perhaps, yeah. but I, I guess what I'm getting to is he 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 in the past has come up with some visionary stuff, or even just a, a, a way of talking about things that I never expected and would never have thought to ask a question about. Like one that comes to mind is in one of the past talks where he's he's talking about how now they're moving towards a game that has this incredible scale. Scale from galactic all the way down and now it's going to be to like walking on foot. And that's like a framework that never would have occurred to me to even ask a question about. And my point is, he's probably got stuff in his head that if he was given a platform and had the time and the motivation to do it, there'd be things he could come up with that would be incredibly valuable. Maybe they'd be questions from this from the from the community, but I'm saying there's a whole reservoir of stuff because he's the visionary leader of the company that he probably uses on a quarterly basis to, you know, um, motivate people in the company or people around him on his executive team that some of those nuggets could be equally energizing for the player community. Okay. Arson, your thoughts. Please make sure you're not muted. Yeah, I, I am not this time. I would absolutely love to hear Braven talk about some things that are more related to uh, the actual lore or technological level of advancement of humanity. Like the the whole idea that the Kardashev scale, that's actually something that I've uh, personally thought about and wondered, like, what do we classify as? Because, I mean, we sure don't harness all of the energy from our stars um or at least as far as i'm aware so you know what you say we clarify when you say we humans we we or we 3306 we 3306 yeah okay yeah that's that's the page i'm on it's just it's one of those things like where are we um 
I am huge into all of the nuts and bolts on the technology in the lore, and I would love to hear uh, David Brayman talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah, see, I think we 3306 are at the point where we would be a Kardashev type two civilization or a 1.5, 1.75. And this is almost my, my, my asking that question is almost a sneaky hint of, Hey bro, why don't you throw in a Dyson sphere here and there? That would be cool to see <laughs> uh, uh, down to earth. I know you had something you wanted to add on that. Yeah. So just thinking that it, they also need frontier would need to be careful with it because if, People take if 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 Braben goes out and say, "Oh, he wish he wants if he has a vision of something that he maybe a direction he wants to see elite go." Mm. People take that as a promise. Yeah, because but I think he's savvy enough to know what he can and can't. See yeah, yeah, with that lens. Yeah, but I, I agree. I, I understand what you're saying. The pitfall, the potential pitfall there, which is why you don't do this off the cuff. You do this, you know. Yeah, well prepared in advance. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's move on to uh, the uh, the next question topic, which is new ship types and modules. Uh, I would very much like, and I know that Roy, because he he was like, "You gotta ask him this one." You gotta. I was like, "Well, we've got a bunch of questions," and Roy was helping me filter through, and he's like, "We have to do the ship question. Uh, there's no better person to ask than down to earth astronomy." <laughs> let's start with you, down to earth. What would you like to see? I mean, they haven't addressed it yet, but come on, they're giving us new ships. What mm. would you like to see as new ships or new modules or new types of sh- ship gameplay or whatever in Odyssey? So there will most likely, I would guess, space weapons or modules that's going to support the new on foot experience. Um, but one thing, sorry. Air to ground munitions of some sort. Yeah, yeah, some, something like that. We already have dump fire missiles as, as one of the only real options. Uh, but I wouldn't, ex- I would expect we could be able to see more stuff like that. That's not just gonna be, hey, I sit here, fire this massive missile, and now everything explodes in a two kilometer radius. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a completely different note, we were actually discussing this on, I think it was a live stream earlier. We were discussing ship builds. And I think we were discussing NPC fighter pilots, and we were discussing the idea of having like a fleet, um, like not a fleet carrier because we have fleet carriers, like a a, a drone ship, basically. Yeah. So, uh, so in, that's your Eve showing. <laughs> that's my yeah. Now my Eve side comes in and shows a little bit, but instead of us having a have putting like PPP weapons in our hard points, if you could have drone control units. Put those in there. So if you put in a huge, you control four drones. If you put in a large, three, medium, two, small, one, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Or make it scale however that seems seems feasible and seems fair. Sure. If you if you do that and then have essentially maybe not actual fighters, but like miniature versions of fighters, like a, a, some kind of drones that you then control. You control them a bit like fighters, like you target something, you tell your drones to go and 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 fire on on that target and they will go chase down that thing and shoot it and then your ship is just basically trying to stay out of the line of fire as much as possible um i kind of like that idea i think it could be a fun very very different mechanic um and i don't think it would be that different we kind of have it with the tharkon swarm 
Um, they could they could manage it like that. So you basically just have one swarm, just like a Thargon swarm, and the size of that is then dependent on the number of drone control units you have fitted on your ship. Are you, um, was all of this just because you're trying to work in that you want an Astero frigate in Elite Dangerous? No, I just think it could be a fun mechanic because all our ships right now is dependent on you pointing your nose in the direction of whatever you're shooting at and pulling the trigger. Um, and then it's just the slight different variants of pulling the trigger. <laughs> wow. uh, this would be some... Well, it is. <laughs> no, I went through all the, the, the work, though, of, of stretching it to pulling up the name of an EVE ship that's a drone ship, the Astero, and I didn't even get the groan laugh. I, I just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. You got okay, so we'll we'll all be in Ishkers. Good deal. Yeah, something like that. I did, Next no, to Navy, I, I Navy issues did, because it. So basically, what you're talking about there is expanding, not not saying okay, I give you another weapon like oh, I got you got a gun. Okay, well here's a different gun. But you're saying okay, well here's a different type of tool that that comes at the whole thing from a different. And you know what could also be awesome would be imagine having a a a, a, a mini carrier like a, a mini cap ship that 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 can go down and then deploy four or eight or you know what however many drones that are you know air to ground close air support mm. you know so that th those drones are you know supporting your your guys on the ground that are doing whatever that there's all kinds of neat things we could do with that i dig that so and now i'm going to put you to it though and say okay you've given us the concept of drone ships as a new thing now give us a couple of specific, like, all right, I want this type of ship that fits this hole. Like, there's there's an obvious, I feel like you've got the, the vet that's the ultimate combat ship. Mm. You've got the cutter that's the ultimate trade ship. You've got the anaconda that right now sits in the role as the quote-unquote ultimate exploration ship. But I don't think it's great at that. The anaconda is not... I don't think what is meant to be the premier exploration ship. I think it's meant to be the best all rounder. But yes, so there's a hole there for a large exploration ship. Give us, give me another so, another hole that you'd like to see filled. So in in general, I think like we saw the ship launches we got doing the Beyond update. It was just medium ship after medium ship after medium ship. I feel like the 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 fan of possibilities we have on the medium size is very well covered now <laughs> um so let's see but the large smalls yeah small ships are it's okay there are some different definitely some options there are a few holes here and there that i could see but we saw it with the crate uh, mark ii where you had the the python which in my mind always been like the mini anaconda it's it's like the multi-purpose ship it can do everything okay um, but in some situations, there was something that would better. Um, and then we got the crate mark two that that, that kind of took <laughs> that kind of took the combat role out of the out of the python. Um, as where before it was a, it was a decent option, but now the crate mark two is just a better choice, hands down. Um, I would like to see that happen on the large side. Uh, of the large ships, we have got a few new ones. Um, we got the Type 10, we got the Beluger. Uh, so there is something happening on the large ship size, but I would like to see um, a, yeah, a dedicated exploration ship would be nice. Um, but just having 
more options. Um, we have so many options in the medium-sized ones that are basically that it would be something that fits exactly your um, your play style. But if we go into let's say something like Sino hunting and you look at, at that, we have you often have a very specific mm. combination of hard point sizes you need mm. for a specific build to work. And say, oh, I need this many medium sized, I need this many uh, large size, uh, whatever. So I think just having more options in the large ship category would be uh, would be nice. And maybe make sh- like. I think sometimes it would be, be funny Frontier would throw us a little curveball, say, okay, here's a ship that maybe we need to figure out how it works. The chances are, of course, that they're going to make something that nobody's going to fly because it mm. doesn't work for anything. Um, Type 10? <laughs> that's an example, yeah. I, I, okay, while but, we're at it, yes, can, you, can, can we just get a complete... Start over on the Type 10, please. Just tear it down, rework it, come out with something. Because, I mean, it's the large anti-Thargoid ship. It's the worst ship in the game for AX combat. It's not Yeah, because it's the hot point anything. placement. Just not good at anything. Give us... give it, Rework it and, and give us a doctrine that works for, for the Type 10 while we're at it. Or maybe come out with a a, a, a series of ships. Um, I mean, we have, uh, we have Aegis Fighters... Maybe come out with a line of Aegis ships that maybe has some um, some natural caustic resistance built into the ship hold itself. Mm. Something along those lines. All right, Roy, it's your time. It's your time to ask Astro. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I <clears throat> I like I like the concept of having uh, the the drone ship. I think that that to me almost feels like um, it, it's sort of like where I'm going to go a bit down a rabbit hole here, but. The original Star Trek tried to project what things would look like in the future, and then here we are in this day and age when we've already invented half the things that showed up on the show and we have things that are mm. better, so now it looks dated. There maybe could be a similar thing happening with Elite where drone warfare, I could imagine in five or ten years of now, is uh, so potent that it's actually, you know, I, I've seen some stuff I've read where they're looking to get it almost classified as a weapon of mass destruction because it's going to be so... Uh, catastrophic of having yeah. you know a thousand two thousand three thousand drones come and swarm a civilian space or something so that could end up being a a pivot in real life that has no analog in the game because it wasn't anticipated um but it's, it's absolutely yeah. it's absolutely effective uh so i could see if they could work it in yeah that would totally make sense yeah, i don't know I, if you i don't know if you saw but along the lines of what you're saying there Roy, an alert just went out to the state department this week saying to watch out for all military personnel and embassy people overseas or whatever that they have credible reason to believe that al-qaeda isis whoever is going to start using drones to attack embassies and whatever Mm. places across the across the 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 planet outside of the continental u.s oh no yeah yeah it's just that technology has become so accessible um yep and and deadly um I hope they. I hope they stay safe. Um, I, I, I think the, you know, one gameplay loop. This might sound obvious, but it's. I think one of the gameplay gameplay loops that I find really fun, and I, I, Astro, I think you demonstrate that by doing so many videos about it, is uh, crafting ships. You know, mm-hmm. theory crafting, and then going around and getting all the material. Like that whole thing of it's almost like when you're 
I don't know, planning a camping trip. Sometimes yep. planning it and getting everything ready is as much fun as actually going on the trip. Like, like, that's a gameplay loop. And that gameplay loop is enabled by having more ships. And not just more ships, but uh, I'd like to see more ships in any category where it diffuses the meta so that there isn't such an obvious choice all the time. And you, yeah. could, you could have almost, I don't know if it's a rock, paper, scissors thing, but have some constraints on all these new designs so that it's not obvious or it makes for more niche designs or gives you a reason to go engineer three ships instead of one situationally. I think that that would be a great thing. Um, I think the thing that could inject some life into small ships is if there was a viable stealth mechanic. Mm. Yeah. Right? I'd like that against NPCs. Yeah, yeah that it, would be, totally. That would be awesome. The other, the other way to go about it, if you want to make small ships viable, is put in shoebox stations or whatever that have only small uh, spots or put in mm -hmm. missions that have a requirement to go someplace or do something that are accessible by small ships only. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I, I tried something with, with small ships where I, I tried to do a sniper build mm -hmm. built on, uh, yeah, on, a, yes. <laughs> on a diamondback. And the idea was to try to go away from the idea of, you have your shields, your shields absorb your damage, and then you have your weapons, and they're just who has the biggest boots. Um, but yeah, I think I think it could be fun to go and and see. Basically, what you're saying here is we want to. You know, it could be fun to see other types of damage negating than just shield and resistance. Hmm. Hmm. It could so, be. I mean, it would be uh, for a small ship. It would n naturally lend itself towards evasion, some evasion mechanic, we, or stealth. Yeah, kind of have it. I mean, we have we have that. If you're running a really small ship, you can try to evade a lot of damage by just your by maneuvering around. But we kind of have the stealth in heat, but it doesn't really work. Yeah. Um, well, they, so, need, they need to make night vision, you know, scale with actual heat and not just make it an instant find everybody. Yes, yeah, please. Yeah. Arson. Yeah, so on the ship thing, there is... I would like to see this personally in a medium ship because those are the ships that I like. But I want to see a dedicated science ship. And what I mean by that is one that, because right now scanners and survivability and open play do not mix. Um, and I want an eight utility ship, eight utility slots, five hard points, medium and small only, similar to how the Cobra Mark IV is laid out. Um, so it's kind of Python-ish, lots of internal compartments, but not large ones. But though the mindset is you get a lot of parts um, that you can kind of build out the thing for all kinds of material collection and all that kind of stuff. Even GIMP the jump range if you want. I don't care. But I want a single platform where I can go out and you know interact with a whole bunch of different things in the game all at once. Uh, and I think that right now, if you want to be able to survive... Uh, 
gank attempts or PvP murder attempts against you in open play, you can't reliably carry scanners, and there's really not a ship in the game uh, that gives you that. And the only two six utility slot ships are the for medium pads are the FDL and Mamba, and neither of those are even remotely any good for science activities. Uh, they so, can't jump. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's just. And their utilities, the the optional compartments. There's not uh, sufficient space to actually collect things uh, and store them on your ship efficiently. If you want to be multi uh, role or versatile on it, something you know that's not super super tanky, not super super fast, but it has massive amounts of versatility. I would love to see that. Mm. Okay, interesting. All right. Uh, and then I'm going to throw this out here as another, and I've been championing this for forever, so everybody's going to be like, yeah, we've heard it already, but modules for a ship, I would like to see some form of increased size SLF bay or, or dedicated SLF bay that drops a larger SLF that has, even say it has no weapons, but it has, you know, science capability it has a little bit of storage spot and it has the ability to deploy an srv so that we have now a shuttle that can go in atmosphere and deploy an srv while the the ship itself remains safe in situations of you know for example high g worlds or this that and the other i think i just think it would be cool to have a little runabout it would be cool to have a little shuttle uh what do you think astro yeah, we would have to find a way to, I mean, to keep the main ship safe somehow um, while you do that. Um, but you could you could work that by just adding more fighters instead of having combat-focused fighters. Having, as you say, it could be a mining fighter, it could be a um, like a shuttle, it could be a science fighter, and then allowing maybe some greater distance for the ship, or basically allowing maybe to just tell the ship to. To stay where it is and let uh, maybe give it a like a, just a super cruise, but no jump or something like that. Yeah, or um, I mean the uh, the equivalent of when you land and dismiss your ship. Your ship goes off into the ether and it's completely safe. It's invincible wherever the hell it is. Yeah, it jumps into somewhere and just drops out a super cruise somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, um, and then you can recall it again at some point if you need mm-hmm. it. And I right. see that being a great addition for explorers as well. Absolutely. So I'm going to give. Uh, you down to earth the last word on uh anything on the game balance credits per hour uh the ask david thing the ship modules or ship types anything you want to hop in on um the only thing that i actually wanted to just quick we could quickly take up is this has been discussed before with the limpid controllers um why we have sec- separate limpid controllers like one for collecting one for Patch breaking one for mm. blah, 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 blah. Why not just give us the option to say, I have a limpid controller and I could then launch a multitude of different um, limpets? It, it would be a buff to limpets, meaning that you could all of a sudden carry all the different limpets mm. at the same time. But uh, lore wise, it does make sense though that why would a computer not be able to program it to do whatever the hell he wanted to do? Exactly. We have already these fine. blank sheets in our cargo yeah. hold that are then programmed by the module. But come on, give me a bigger hard drive and then put the programs for both of them on there. 
Mm. Um, it 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 would it would make sense. It would be a really nice quality of life, um, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be overpowered because the situations where you have multiple collectors, well, you you wouldn't be able to. You, you often have the same number of limpets, right? So you, you wouldn't suddenly be able to carry a ton more uh, collector limpets. It would be the same number, but yeah, it just makes things a little easier. Yeah. All right. So moving on, we've got the community questions. Community question one is game balance credits per hour. What do you think needs to be changed and what are the pitfalls to watch out for? Question two is ask David the idea of a segment of David Braben doing a weekly or not weekly, a monthly or quarterly or whatever, kind of a little short segment like he did at uh, the developer diary, uh, Dev Diary one, where he just, you know, does a little talk on a couple of pre-done questions, or as Roy said, maybe just something that he wants to go off the dome, something that he wants to talk about. And we get to see the man, the legend himself, excitedly talking and nerding out about Elite and, and various space stuffs. Uh, and question number three is new ship types and modules. What new ship type or what new module or what new, as, as uh, Astro pointed out, sort of method of gameplay would you like to see sort of become a thing what what excites you what interests you and and what do you think we are going to get in in odyssey do you think we're going to get any at all a lot of people have said like no i don't think so i think maybe srvs but not ships i think we're going to get ships and srvs that's just me we'll see i don't think we're going to get ships at launch but we are most likely going to get them eventually okay interesting roy do you have a quick very very short streamlined version of the feedback that you can do because we're running way late yeah, the first there's a couple. I'll uh, I'll shorten the one of them up. The other one's already very short. We had a a quick shout out from uh, Commander Thalma. This is this is the intrepid uh, explorer who drove his fleet carrier all the way around the uh, the galaxy. Uh, wow. He just wrote back, uh, uh, "Happy can't even sum up the feeling of learning that tritium got twice as effective." Let me tell you. <laughs> so that was just to, just to give it context. Last week when we talked about this 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 circumnavigation i said man imagine being that guy how happy he was when frontier announced oh by the way all tritium is now twice as effective as it was yesterday like holy cow and and he was like dude you don't even know the beginning of it way more than just happy <laughs> all right Run, yeah so the other one was uh professor awan uh from canon uh wrote back responding to the conversation we had about the um i'm gonna mangle this the the uh uh, the non-human signal sources that you, you reported on, and there was the issue of one being a different color than the others um, in that image showing them in the in the structure, and whether that was a thing, you know, a new thing to explore, um, and if there was some content there. And he, he wrote in that it's actually something that's been around for a, a while, but a lot of people don't encounter it because the frequency of seeing a sensor with scouts in a threat for... Uh, non-human signal source is is pretty low like it took him over 50 tries because he knew it was there but over 50 tries to find it um and um and that also and this could maybe speak to whether there's something different about these or not but he mentioned that one of the other unique qualities is that the sensors and probes you get from those interactions are marked as stolen if you pick them up so that may be how i mean behind the scenes maybe that's how in the database they're differentiated from the others um, so he just wanted to point out that, you know, it's, it's, uh, it wasn't a new thing. It, it has been around for a while, 
Um, but that, uh, you know, I, I didn't get the impression that that was maybe the end of the story, but it has been around for a while and, and they're trying to maybe still figure out what to do with it. It's interesting. I, I haven't heard from anyone else, from any other source, that information. So that's potentially new information, I guess. I, we, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a little surprised because I specifically talked about this with multiple members of canon and didn't get that response but awan has been around and seen a lot of stuff so i guess that's uh it, it sounds to me like it could still be there's a loose end there somewhere but it's not a definitely a new start to the story yeah i get, i think this falls under the heading then of similar to that that engine breach repaired thing that we mm, talking mm, about for tonight mm. it's like does this definitively mean something or is this just a who knows? Yep. All right. Well, so I guess people will continue to look into that and we'll see what's what. Um, state of the game. Holy cow. Has it been a night? Uh, state of the game is fantastic. I think it's really, really good. Um, I'm upgrading it a little from last week. Um, I still, I, I, part of me wanted to see big Thargoid invasion, big Thargoid something here, but uh, you know, they I think Frontier addressed that when they said, like, hey guys, we hear you. Everything's coming, but it's coming in time. There's a time scale, and we're doing this in a way that like it's going to be cohesive to the story. So I think maybe people need to not freak out just yet and take it as it comes. And, and if nothing else, look at the fact that um, what we have here with this story, while it's not directly Thargoid combat as the Halloween event, it is definitely a piece of the Thargoid puzzle, and we should be intrigued about that and see where it's going. Uh, Arson, your state of the game. I am quite enjoying it. I'm loving the fact that this isn't just another CG. I love that we're seeing the mysteries and puzzles to be solved, even though I can't really directly participate in them because uh, I don't have uh, decoding skills. Uh, it's it's fantastic to be able to sit on the sideline and watch this. I'm very happy. Beautiful. Roy, your state of the game. Uh, I'm having a great time. I mean, I think the, 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 the main dimension I'd measure any, any kind of event like this on is fun. And I've been having a lot of fun. I feel like I'm a part of something that's uh, new and I'm on the leading edge of it, even though there's you know 20,000 other people doing it with me. Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it and I'm glad they've done it this way. Beautiful. And the reserved uh, spot of honor, the last person that gets their say on the state of the game for our guest, Astro. Yeah, I'm going to echo a lot of the things that's already been said. I, uh, I'm i really enjoying the um, um, the way Frontier's going with things right now. I'm really much looking forward to Odyssey and the, um, like the Halloween event they've been running here while the number of hours in game like the content in game may not be that many hours you could I mean once everything is solved you can see everything in a in an hour or two i think the amount of time you have out of game trying to solve all these mysteries and following up on the stories as they progress is uh, that's a really good experience i think so yeah. i think frontier this week have given us a lot for our zero dollars per month <laughs> of uh, exactly of, uh, maintenance on this game all right Beautiful. Uh, all right. So we're going to go around the horn again and everybody say goodbye. I'm going to leave you with uh, watch the doors and corners, kid. That's where they get you. 
Roy, say goodbye to the beautiful people. Fly casual, but stay dangerous. Arson, do your thing. Now I have my fire. <laughs> See, I knew you couldn't go the whole episode without saying something <laughs> fucking creepy. All right. It's Halloween. In front of me. Say goodbye to the beautiful people. I'll see you guys in space. Arson, play us out.